Then I'm going to press this little button here. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All, All right. right. Now there's magic happening. We're okay. Now we're good to go. Now we're good to go. All right. So the first thing is, um, I think what I've done with pictures is great. And I want to, I want to quickly hop on and say what you put a joint <laughs> in my mouth. Yeah, all my um, co-commentators, whenever I, was... I have guests on the stream, gotta be smoking a joint, because that way, whatever okay. dumb shit we do, we can just blame it on that. Yeah. It's perfect. That's, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Let me even move me so everyone can see on the side. You can see what's happening here in my little window. Dude, I have a, I have a joint in my mouth. That's all right, man. Yeah. <laughs> Big old boinks. Oh, crap. So... Um, All right. As I as I set this one up, um, today I'm I'm actually so grateful that you you've uh, come on board. This is a series that we've been doing for a while. Uh, to Flowers Stream, to my stream, uh, welcome back. We have been doing the casting chamber now for seven different episodes, three solo, four solo maybe. Uh, Munchables Freak have been on the show so far, and now we've got the legend himself um sir thank you again i appreciate it and before we get into this i have to actually just thank you for something else okay. um i ran a cha charity stream as you know the other day and you gave me the huge like an absolutely massive raid that mm -hmm. i am very grateful for um and a huge donation at that so thank you again for like donating to such a good cause for movember of course man. and for making that so successful too like you you gave your heart out and i i really really appreciate it so thank you again hell yeah brother hell yeah it that's what it's all about means so much all right so um yeah so, so what what gonna... is on the agenda for today so uh just in general for people who don't know what this show normally is can you explain to my viewers just quick two-sentence premise on what we're doing here yeah so at, at the moment what we're looking for is like to, to provide the community with more content for like casters specifically right for growing casters for grassroots casters that we have in the industry uh there's no way for them to kind of source like how they grow how they develop this right. is a good way for a resource to be created and a lot of um uh, like a better piece of content that's going to help them grow and develop from grassroots to semi-professional like you're a, a great example of how you've gone through the phase of starting out um you know you were solo casting you were, you were doing an english broadcast where none existed developing all the way to going to lcs then to world finals which is you know some of the questions going to ask you about here today mm -hmm. um and it, it's just a it's, it's a resource that we that i want to create so that there is you know there is uh, something in for growing casters to develop on uh, i don't think there's much in the industry right now in terms of esports casting or even more specifically league of legends casting that that that's available right like there's I, really I don't not know if you you know there's there's not no right there's a couple of a couple of videos there's a shout casting 101 that came from um the oce team back in the day when atlas was there when spawn was there more consistently. i remember them I doing a little bit time. of that yeah yeah so so there's nothing really available so it's going to be like a, a bit of a podcast but also i want to kind of get the nitty-gritty out of out of captain flowers because you have a lot of experience 
you started way back like what 2016 when you started doing your solo lms cast was that 2016, um, so 2015? it was 2015 was when i first ever did a cast but i wasn't really doing most people know me more from the 2016 stuff because that's the year that i started doing the bootleg casts of lms of demacia cup of open qualifiers for challenger circuits and stuff like that that's uh, the year where i had the viral reddit clip that got me noticed by riot in the first place so although I did start in yeah. 2015, a lot of that stuff was just very much recording myself casting solo queue and watching it back just me. 2016 was really my the year that I sort of emerged. Yeah, right. Because that's I mean, now we're we're on the fifth, sixth year of your casting as well. And I, I remember like I remember tuning in, watching some of the LMS stuff specifically, right? And I remember watching you grow because it was such a I don't know, it was it was rag to riches, but in a in a very much more humbling way yeah you cornfields to castles with someone who's yeah you, you were very passionate about the game and you you went a long way and you have gone a long way uh, and very well deservedly you know this is not going to be a, a a talk you upstream but i'm sure it'll end that way uh, i want to start from the very basics because as we okay. talked about this is going to be a great resource specifically at the moment for play-by-play -play casters if anyone doesn't know what a play-by-play -play caster you add the hype you you set the ball up for your analysts to spike it down Yep. Um, I want you to help me define like your role as a play-by-play, -play, like how you would describe it to either someone starting out or someone trying to learn what the role is. So one of the things that I always, one of the ways that I always heard it described that I like because it's nice and simple is if you're looking at a play-by-play -play caster and a color caster, think of somebody drawing a picture. The play-by-play's job is to draw the lines, show you the shape of the thing and present to you hey we're drawing a picture of a dog here's the dog the color caster's job is to splash the color in there it's the color caster's job to make the thing really come to life make it have a little bit more meaning give it that detail right for a play-by-play -play, your job is to be an entertainer your job is to make sure everybody knows what's going on on screen and provide supplementary details and keep the conversation moving forward in a way that's both informative and exciting and sets your co-caster up yep. for success because I think that's like the easiest definition considering that setting your color caster up for success on that point is something that a lot of play-by-play -play struggle to do, right? Like mm -hmm. it's something that people forget, but it is also a very basic thing. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where you're working yeah. together with somebody. Everybody succeeds together. There's the, one of the, one mm -hmm. of the big things that you got to be able to do is make sure the other guy looks good. Cause the better he looks, the better you look, the better, the whole product looks itself. You got to make sure you're constantly looking for every opportunity you can find to not only make sure that you stand out and make sure you look good because of your own actions, but have those actions enabling the other person too. Yeah, I, I think a team environment is something important that that a lot of like junior casters as well kind of forget everyone's in it for themselves, but um, pulling each other up is, is a standard part of the process as well. So uh, really well said. When you go further than that as well, like, as a play-by-play, -play, do you feel like the roles developed over the years from what we've seen when, let's say, League of Legends was starting out, when we had a lot of people in the industry, like the old classics when, you know, Quickshot Freak were really the only casters. We had um, Joe Miller and, and D-Man, I don't know, looking outside the role, but we had some very old names. Do you feel like it's developed? Do you feel like that definition has changed um, from when maybe, like, now you're in the spotlight and, and there's other casters coming in as well? I mean, there's... The whole thing has evolved drastically, right? Go back and watch the season one championship 
and the gameplay is going to look like Platinum 3 solo queue, and the casting is yeah. going to be Platinum 3 solo queue. Like, and I'm not saying this to flame the guys from back then, but just casting has evolved so much. We've determined what sounds good, what makes it better, like what we should be talking about as opposed to back then. Just in the same way that the game is not on the same level anymore, the casting wasn't the same back then either. Like, we didn't have as much of an idea on how we wanted things to work. It was much more wild. So yeah, I definitely think things have evolved since what they used to be. I think that I have... One of the things that I had to get used to when I first became well-known in the scene is when I, I remember when I first arrived to LA, one of the things that the people at Riot asked me, they were like, hey, so what do you want to do with your... Like, what kind of a brand are you going for? I had literally yeah. never heard of the concept of a brand. I come from Cornfield World. I had no idea what they were talking about. I thought it was a joke about the champion. Literally. I had right. no idea what the fuck they were talking about. And I accidentally stumbled in to having a strong, solid brand just by being myself and being the, the Chad Big Chin American har har I like Skarner guy. And one of the yeah. things that I think is really important, especially for young up-and-coming casters that are trying to figure out, like, you know, what does the play-by-play -play landscape look like? How do I fit into this? Yada, yada, yada. Is remember, you're not only looking to try to fit into what already exists. Like, obviously, there's going to be examples of what you should do, what you shouldn't do, how to make it more entertaining, engaging, and whatever. But always be thinking about how you can innovate and how you can make it better, too. Because that's one of the things that I never wanted to do was just be... Freak 2 or Quick Shot 2 or or Doa 2, right? I didn't want to be yep. anybody else's, like, Kmart brand sequel because then the best thing I could ever be is the second best. And I had no interest in being the second best. That's so, right. And you, it, falling into a shadow of someone else, you, you're not yourself, right? Like, you, yeah. you immediately talked about how you fell into your own brand, which was you were you know the way i see you from an australian perspective at least like middle american the genuine down-to-earth person that that's just passionate about the game they just like the game and they're they're here to do what they like right mm -hmm. yeah you gotta be you gotta be honest about what you are and you always got to be thinking about just uh again how, not only how you fit into things but how you can change things to make them more exciting to make them more engaging to make them more fun right yeah and that goes there's some there's some deeper philosophy stuff behind that that we can go into later where i differ from some other people pretty drastically but yeah anyway sorry my, my brain's still all fucking helter skelter i was hanging out with some, of the, some of the guys from lpl are visiting here in la this week so last night we were all hanging out and just playing video games and stuff oh, so no. i, I stayed no, up till the show. i stayed up till six o'clock in the morning just hanging out with everybody so my brain's still a little scatterbrain you're just gonna have to I'm, I'm finding my footing here as we go hey don't worry don't worry i mean at the moment like my webcam's playing up and you know things are going on so <laughs> it's not the, not the smoothest morning for me um either but you know knowing knowing rob and joe if you went out drinking with them goddamn like that's i don't know man that's dangerous especially with rob he's irish that's, that's the risk. <laughs> yeah lyrics in the chat he, he was here the half mad stage oh, of the mountain yeah. You'll have to ask him about that story next time you talk to him. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I definitely will. Um, hey, so I, I, I love it. That's a, a really, really good definition and expanding it out as well. We can talk about your brand a little bit later and like how it fits in. Yeah. Uh, because again, I, I think it is really unique and it is a really good um, indicator of kind of how to be yourself, if that makes sense. I, I want to continue on with the role a little bit as well and looking specifically at you and how you prepare for a cast because... Okay. Knowing your role and role is different from, say, a color caster. 
um give me a, a rundown of how you would prepare for your everyday broadcast or like what you would do as a play-by-play -play to kind of get ready okay so i'm gonna start this by saying depending on what kind of a game this is this process is day and night different like for me at least I know some people have sort of like a formulaic approach that they take to everything, but for me, absolutely not. Like the difference between me doing mm. a game during Worlds groups versus doing a game week seven, just some random game between two teams that doesn't really affect the standings too much, wildly different. So which one would you like me to address first? What what type? Like do you like um, regular season? Like give, me the, give me the worst type. The one that, that does abs... Yeah, low give me the low stakes first. Okay, so the low stakes one, like let's say we're casting, I don't know, seventh place team versus ninth place team, random middle of the week game in spring split, right? Like the stakes aren't super high. The big thing that I'm making sure that I do in these games is give people a reason to watch these games. Because if we're being honest, a lot of people aren't going to naturally tune in for them. One of the things that, one of the first types of compliments that I started seeing people give me when I joined the scene, and one of the things that I still take as one of the top compliments to this day, is when somebody says, Captain Flowers, you make this game so fun, I wouldn't normally watch this, but I saw you were casting, so I had to tune in for it. So the thing that I'm looking for here when I'm casting these, like, lower stakes games, generally, like, there's not a huge amount of impact here, no matter who wins or who loses, it's not really going to change the ebb and flow of the league or anything like that. What I want to do is make sure it's fun. I want to look into if it's the first time the teams have played that split. We're just sort of going to, uh, we're going to, I'm going to talk to my co-commentator and just be like, okay, which one of these matchups do you think is the most fun? Which one of these is going to be the most exciting? I'll go to social media. I'll look at if anybody's talking some shit like, uh, Fudge talking shit at the beginning of last year. That was great. I need more, I need more people talking shit. Yeah. The, the less impactful and the less important the game itself is or feels, the more important it is to be able to find stuff outside of what's directly in front of you on Summoner's Rift. So that's one of the sure. things that I'll always be looking into. If it's not the first time they've played already that split or that year or that tournament or whatever, I'll look into the last time they played and see if we can get anything really spicy. I actually think that's one of my favorite things to do, especially with games that aren't super high stakes, is if you've got the teams that have played against each other recently go back look where something was crazy not just like what won the game or what changed stuff but just individual cool moments like if there's a time where this mid laner solo killed this other mid laner i want to look at that and i'm gonna be like okay last time level seven this dude walked back into lane and just headshot the guy so i really want to look into that and see how that plays out see if the other dude's more ready for it so in general for lower stakes games it's all just about making sure you have some fun facts have some out of game stuff to talk about and then I look at every game on a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being my bronze stream and 10 being the world finals. And I think if you're doing a game that doesn't have a lot of stakes to it and it's just more of like a, you know, just average regular season game, you are doing a disservice to the viewers and to the audience by taking it too seriously. And I'm not saying that you should go right. out there and like just joke around and act like a jackass. But I am saying that you have to be able to have fun with it. You have to be able to be malleable. It's one of the reasons why people always, one of the things that people loved about Monty and Doa casts is when Monty and Doa would have some like old school Korean scaling 45 minute resident sleeper game with six kills, they had the ability to just banter and have conversation during it and not pointlessly talk about things where nothing was happening. You need to be able to have a conversation. You need to be able to be ready for those things. And so one of the things that I will always do coming into every single game, this is one of the things that is uniform, is I will tell my co-commentator, be like, hey, 
I'm going to go into this one. I'm expecting my seriousness to probably be around a four or a five, right? And that's where, so just so they yeah. have an idea on sort of where I'm going to be, how I'm going to be approaching things, especially with, uh, one of the things that the LCS has been trusting me with recently is I'm one of the people that they'll often put on with newer commentators, at least to the LCS, right? Because Mark Z had done a lot of Academy casts, but he had never cast LCS before this past year. Raz had done a lot of casting with LPL and just other stuff yep. in general, but not LCS. And then Raz became an LCS caster this year. And both of them, they put them with me because I'm really good at enabling people. I'm really good at making sure that like they're set up to succeed. And so one of the first things that I would do before every game is I'd be like, okay, we're going into this one. It's CLG versus Golden Guardians. I'm at like a three for this one. So we're just, we're going to have fun. Praise when stuff is going well. Let's not try to shit on them when they do bad stuff because neither one of the two teams is looking really good right now. And just sort of making sure that you're on the same vibe, for lack of a better word, for lack of a less meme word, as your co-commentator is huge for those types of games. Like that's one of my biggest things is I think that for those types of games, like your average regular season game, you're you're following the league. You're a regular caster for the league. You're going to know what the stakes are. You're going to know how good the teams are. And if it's yep. not a game that promises a lot of action, if it's not a marquee type of matchup, then you also need to make sure you're just ready to keep it generally entertaining, to keep it conversational, to have a nice back and forth. Don't be afraid to banter a little bit. Sprinkle some personality in there and make it fun to watch for the people who would not normally tune into that match. Because I think there's a very fine line between, um, between you know, injecting personality and making the cast about you, right? Like, because if there's one way with all being too serious and not, um, not making it fun, not not trying to make it enjoyable for the audience, you can also go all the way over, which I I'm definitely guilty of in the LPL. Like mm -hmm. a Rogue Warriors, you know, OMG before this year, versing up 16th versus 17th because we have too many freaking teams in the <laughs> LPL. I'm just gonna say that there's 17 teams. I don't think there should be. Um, and there's been times, you know, where it's just been like pure laughing because it's just ridiculous gameplay. It's like, well, that, I think that's too far. Um, you know, I think it's doing a little disservice there too. So I like how you talk about injecting personality. I think that newer casters can be scared to, you know, be themselves on cast. They say, they, they see it, it as, um, that's how you cast. This is how I need to cast. And when you're thinking so much about the fundamentals, a lot of the time you forget to sit back and relax and go, well, actually, I am an entertainer at my call. That's what my job is. Yeah. I, I, you know, you need, you need to have a bit of both, right? Yeah. I a hundred percent think you do like entertainment. It's one of the things too. And this is one of those philosophy points that I was thinking about a little bit is there's so many different things that go into a cast, right? You want to be an entertainer. You want to be informative. Like for color casters, you're an analyst. You want to be able to predict and break down and all these things. And yep. at the end of the day, everybody is going to have a different priority list for what they think are the most important parts of being a commentator. And one of the things that defines me and my brand and my style is for me, entertainment is always number one by a mile. Nothing else comes yep. close. I want to make the most entertaining product. And so that's why when I look on the internet and I see, you know, a thread about casters or whatever, and somebody would be like, oh yeah, I really like Captain Flowers. He makes the games fun. And then some guy will be like, yeah, I like, like Captain Flowers has good energy and everything, but he doesn't, he doesn't have, he doesn't bring game knowledge. He doesn't bring insight. I'm totally fine reading that because this yeah. guy is essentially saying, yeah, you know that, you know that dump stat? Yeah, you don't have any points in that dump stat. I'm like, you're fucking right. Of course I don't. This is literally not what I'm trying <laughs> to do. I'm never going to make an Excel sheet 
about patch notes like LS or Freak does. Yep. And I'm not saying that's bad content. I'm saying that that's really good for them. But it's very important to know what you are, know what you bring to the table, and be confident in that. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Like, knowing who you are, a big thing. Knowing what you bring to the table even further. Um, before we go into brand, I want to continue on the practical questions and more about how you of course. warm yourself up. That was a really nice touch on theory and how... Actually, we didn't we didn't talk about um, we didn't talk about uh, uh, how you prepare for something a little bit more serious, did we? Okay. Like specifically, you. Let's so, say playoffs, right? Or or even a grand finals for the LCS. Or you could you could tell me grand finals for anything. Okay. Um, even like a semifinals at Worlds, like whatever you choose. So for these things, for the for the bigger games, almost always at least doing stuff for the LCS, like especially at international events. Our lovely stats people behind the scenes will almost always compile like some some critical stats for us and things like that. I do delve deeper into some stats and numbers and stuff, especially for international events where I haven't followed every single game from the other regions throughout the throughout the year, right? Like I'm not watching the ninth versus tenth in LEC. I just don't care. Yep. I'm not watching that game. So sure. that's, uh, I, and I'm just being honest, right? Like it's the same thing. Like I'm not going to tune into every single game from all the other regions if it's like the lower quality games, but it's still important to be able to have understanding about what the teams went through and yada, yada, yada. So I'll always look at the numbers. And one thing that I actually got stuck in a lot when I first started, when I was like back 2017 and the first part of 2018, is I would look at all this information that I got presented for these big games. And I'd be like, oh, wow, how do I include all this? Da, 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 da. And you don't. The most one of the most yeah. important skills you can have is understanding what information is valuable and what information doesn't actually add that much because sometimes they can be very similar. So there's mm. like for example, you know, if I'm seeing a, I actually one one of my frustrating points about some of the stats in League of Legends is some of the behind the scenes stats that we use are just so obtuse and ridiculous. I I have no idea of when I would ever use them. Yeah, but uh, like you know, there's. I'm trying to think of a good example of them. I, I don't want to misrepresent this, but there's there's some of them that are just really strange. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but just some, something really wacky. Like, let's say there's a stat about how a guy, like, I've, I, I, we're going into this, and this team is ranked fourth in dragon control past 20 minutes in winning games. This stat means nothing. I don't. I, I don't. I don't care about this stat. Yeah. It's. It's. it's Agreed. It, there's such a weird situation that you would have to even construct to get to the point of talking about it. It's not worth it. So the big thing is figure out what your big story points are. Figure out what's the huge thing here, especially if the teams deviate strongly from other stuff we've been seeing. So for example, a really good one is in this past worlds, the dragon timers were super late. First dragons often wouldn't get taken until sometime between 11 and 14 minutes. So one of the things that I would look at, even just casting them from my own stream here since I wasn't on the official world show this year, is I would look at if a team does dragons early, why? How are they playing this game different? Because nobody gives a fuck about dragons. Nobody cares yeah. until 14 minutes into the game. So if I see a team particularly five or six minutes in and they're starting to go after these, if their dragon timer is that much more effective, well, that gives us something more to talk about. Because the most important thing is, when you're looking at numbers and things like that in a game of League of Legends, think of it like studying history in school. Do you? I don't know where, what the capitals of the states are. I don't fucking care. None of that matters. 
The whole point of learning yeah. history is to be able to apply it to the way things actually work now and learn lessons based on trends and experiences and shit. It's the same thing with numbers. If I tell you, oh yeah, remember when we're watching this game, TSM normally takes dragons three minutes earlier than their opponents. Well, that doesn't mean dick if I just tell you that. That's a fun fact that I guess you can read on the back of a popsicle stick, but what does it do? But now if I say that, and then I continue it towards a point of, and we can see, look at the vision they've got set up around this bottom side river. You can see Spica just went back to base and he's pathing towards bottom lane. And then Azale can start talking about, yeah, we've been seeing Spica make these sorts of routes. We've been seeing him plot around this. Putting the stat into the conversation is the first step, but you have to do that second step and be able to like really make it mean something. And so that's what I do in my prep is I look for stuff that means something besides just rattling off a stat during downtime, right? I want to have something it, that it needs to larger story, conversation. Doesn't it? Yeah, you want to be helps, able to use tell those. That story. You need to be able to use mm. them as part of a greater conversation and not just as a fun fact to fill time. So I'll, whenever I'm doing my prep, especially for these bigger games, I like to look at things that have some sort of bigger meaning beyond just, oh, here's their stat. Oh, they're second at this. Oh, they're fourth at this. What does it mean, particularly in comparison to the team they're up against? I will, one thing that I never get too super bogged down in is, uh, fuck, I'm, I'm trying to think of the right way to say it. My brain is so fucking fried. Um, it's okay. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's, it's good. It's good. It's good. Uh, what you can't do is just get too locked up in, again, overstatting stuff. So one of the things yep. that I don't like to do is I'll, I'll get a good look if somebody's got uh, champion pools is a good conversation, right? If I see a guy's champion pool and he has seven different champions played somewhere between two and four games on each champion, I don't need to tell you in the lobby, oh, yes, he plays all seven meta champions. He plays Kaisa. He plays Zaya. He plays... Ash, he plays Jinx, he plays all of this, and he's got three to four games in all of them. I can just say no. He plays the entire roster, and he plays a little bit of everything. And if his opponent then, however, is a guy who has played 380 carries throughout the split, and 13 of his games are on Ezreal, and the second highest is Zaya at two, well, now Ezreal's a really interesting point of conversation to have compared to the other guy. So just being able to understand stuff in the context of what it is objectively hey, the guy plays a whole bunch of champions versus subjectively, he has a very wide pool compared to his opponent who only plays Ezreal. And relaying the information in a way that highlights that as opposed to just talking about champion pick rate numbers because pick rate numbers are fucking boring if they're just by themselves, Yeah. right? It needs to be able to mean something. So I guess that's kind of what I'm looking at overall is to not just be able to find numbers, but find numbers that have an interesting story tied to them so I can tell that story to people that are watching. So that's a big part you know, of my life. It can part. be really tedious. It can, re it can be really tedious to the audience too, I think is, a, is an important part of that. Like, yeah, the, the it makes it less rattling off information from a sheet. Yeah, 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 it does. It's it's not entertaining at all. Like it's it's boring and it's anyone can read from a sheet, but how can they tie it in with the story? How can they build narratives? On that point as well, I wanted to ask if you did more narrative work for grand finals, like rivalries, player history. Uh, how do you look at injecting that, if any? So for a grand final, it's usually not that difficult because by the time you get to a grand final, you know, we're talking about the... Jesus fucking Christ. Is that... There's like a fleet of helicopters or something above me. Sorry, it's just like... Ugh. All right. It's all right. I don't think I can hear it. So, um, yeah, but as you're, as you're going through, by the time you get to the... Uh, by the time you get to a grand final, 
we've followed these teams up through the entire rest of the tournament so far or whatever, or the league or wherever we're at, whatever the format might be, we've already been seeing a lot of them. So there's a ton of stuff that's already been covered. You're going to have a solid understanding of the narrative just by nature of the fact that we've been casting these guys up until this point we're finally here but yeah being sure. able to specifically look into stuff like if it's a team that has been there before if there's fresh faces in it particularly if there's anybody who's been here or maybe they're on a different team before and they made it all the way to finals and now they're trying to do it again or something like that there's definitely some more narrative work to be done to make sure you're able to really do justice for it. And I think the way that I look at it is you don't just want to be sitting up there, essentially, again, reading off a stat sheet of, oh yeah, remember the top laner got to semifinals back in 2019 and their jungler got to quarterfinals in 2018 and their mid's just fresh on this. You don't want to be able to read that shit out. But these things can mean so much if they're dropped at the right time. And I think that's one of yeah. the things that I worked on a lot at the start was making sure that I was finding the right moments to inject that information, finding the right times to be able to just add those little bits of flavor and make it feel impactful. So I do do, I do extra narrative stuff, definitely. But at the same time, it's one of those things where I'm picking and choosing. I specifically, one of, one of the rules that I use for myself is when I, when I take my notes, so I don't take notes on Notepad or Microsoft Word or anything. I find it more constructive to literally just have a piece of paper and a pen. And mm -hmm. I have one piece of paper one because if okay. i have more than one piece of paper i'm writing down too much information and there's extraneous garbage in there one piece of paper everything that i would need to say is on that piece of paper so that's one of the ways that i keep myself in check is just be like okay you need to not like you want to fill this paper up but if you feel like you need to go over the amount of this paper you probably don't you included something that's too much and that sort of just goes back to the way that I've always approached things. I'm very much not a, like I hated studying when I was younger. School for me wasn't so much about learning the material, but learning the meta of how teachers structured tests and stuff. So I knew the right information to look for. And I think that that accidentally ended up being a really good thing for me as a commentator because it helps me zero in on what matters. It helps me zero in on what's actually important. Yeah. What's the most meaningful stat? What's the most interesting narrative? So that's one, uh, that's one thing that I would challenge somebody, like if people who are amateur, if you're an amateur commentator out there right now and you feel like you're having to do 17 hours of prep before every match and you just have 10 pages of notes and you're like, oh man, it's so much. One piece of paper, one piece of paper. Cause I guarantee you, you don't need all 17 yeah. pages of that bullshit. That's so true. that's uh, a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a thought exercise, right? Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I agree. Like, and a lot of the time, um, past couple of years, I've been simplifying how I take notes as well. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the time I'll be like running over things and running into a broadcast. I'll, I'll have a book to write down what the color cast is saying instead because it's more important because you know all the, you know all the, the, the legwork, you know the, as you're talking about, especially getting up to the finals, you know things like narrative, you know... Yeah. Um, you know what a team is going to do because you've seen these trends so many times leading up to this leading up to this moment so yeah no i i i can get behind that um staying on how you set up for a broadcast this is my web hey oh my lord well back to the armpit photo um <laughs> let's go to your practical stuff because i know with your voice people people always talk about it you know it's it's okay. How do we do this without, without talking you up? It's very good. 
and it's got a lot of power. I think you're one of the few people as a play-by-play -play in the industry that can hit a strong 10. And this, again, not to shit on anyone else, but you hit a very strong 10 without breaking, screeching, squealing, mm -hmm. looking, uh, sounding like you've, you're hurting your voice. Someone said you have big dong voice energy in your chat, and that's probably <laughs> the right word. So how do you get in the like right the state of big dog voice energy? And how do you warm up to uh, either hit those moments or at least warm up for a broadcast is where, where we can start if you want. So one thing that I will say is I know some people in the industry, a lot of people in the industry have like set vocal warmups and they have these like tongue twisters and stuff like that they do. I know Kobe has that. I know that like back when Frost was casting, when I would do international events with her, she had like a whole warm-up routine that she would do. Mm. I don't come from having that sort of knowledge or setup or anything like that. So I don't have any of those things. I don't if you're out there right now and you're an amateur okay. commentator and you think that you have to have a 10 minute warm up thing that you do before every cast. You don't, it's not necessary, but it is one of those things that sort of varies from person to person. The thing that I do before every cast to see if I have my enunciation on point and see if my speed is up to par is I do rap God. I do rap God and I see if I can do it in uh, I see if I can hit the right speed and I can do it in one breath. And yeah. if I trip up over it a little bit, I know that I should probably take the first game of the day a little bit more slowly. Like if I was going to cast the game at a six, dial it back, cast it at a five and let myself get warmed up. But if I can rattle off Rap God, then I'm already in a good enough spot. Normally, I would do it here for you guys. Twitch chat as an example, but I'm my brain's wires are so crisscross fried right now. There's no way I would be able to do it. I would just my I can barely think straight. So the another time, another time we'll do it and I'll, I'll be able to uh, yeah. put my money where my mouth is a little bit. But so that's what I do. And then a huge thing for being able to hit those, those big dong voice energy moments and be able to really have that oomph is you got to make sure that you're staying hydrated during the cast. I mean, people always say stay hydrated all the time. Like it's, it's meme tier these days, but it's a hundred percent true. I usually go through mm. about one normal water bottle and one hot honey water every game. So if I'm doing a five-game series, it's going to be five water bottles, five cups of hot honey water. Like, I drink a lot of water during the cast, and it's huge. you got to be able to make sure that you're doing that because otherwise, if you're not drinking water, once you start to – if you put a little bit of too much strain on your voice and it's not the end of the series, it's only going to compound. It's only going to get worse, and yep. it just starts turning into a really bad downhill. So I would say make sure that you're uh, – Whatever little vocal warm-ups you like to do, whether you're just doing the fast part of Rap God or whether you have an actual vocal warm-up that you know, go for that. I also, Riot hooked me up with some voice care lessons, like vocal training stuff at okay. in 2019. I did those for a couple of months. I learned some interesting things about like how to speak using different parts of my throat to take pressure off of like the sides where it gets more sore. So those sorts of things can be helpful if you have the opportunity or the ability to be able to do those. And then the, the biggest one, 100%, is be drinking water. Take care of yourself. Make sure you're, like, after the game is done, like, I'll usually just do, like, a, uh, just make sure my voice isn't cracking or anything anywhere. Make sure that there's not mm. any uh, damage slipping through the, through the cracks there. I, um, I also talked to you years ago. I think it was 2019. Mm. Um. Were you telling me about throat coat? It's also kind of tea. You talk about yeah, honey and yeah. um, hot water, which is great. Throat coat is is also a bit of a life send. I can't it's get OP. it in Australia. I couldn't get it in China. It is so good. It's OP, man. Like, 
The name's kind of a like, meme, gonna... but it's it's really good stuff. Yeah. For those of you guys out there who are watching who don't know what it is, it's essentially just a special kind of tea with like some medicinal bullshit in it that helps insulate your throat mm. from damage if you're getting really excited. Yeah, it's um, it, it's really good, and apparently you can get it in Australia. So okay, that's new. <clears throat> um, it's something I've been looking for for quite a while, but yeah, you, I remember you telling me about it, and I think Niberia, who was working LPL at the time, also, ironically, I had some with him, so. Uh, it helped quite a lot, and I've saved one. Like it's been uh, something holy that I've been yeah. saving for each broadcast. Just one of those, uh, keep it in the back pocket for an emergency, right? Yeah. Hell yeah. I broke my voice in 2019 spring, I think finals with IG, and I got through game three because I had it. So it was uh, yeah, quite amazing. Uh, hot water, honey, great, great mention there as well. Yeah, I think there's other things that we can talk about to stay away from milk is not your friend i yes. don't know if you've ever tried to do a cast where no like don't drink any coffee. dairy bullshit no 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 don't do that shit that is terrible do not drink milk yeah. if you're trying to commentate milk don't drink choice. milk please don't don't drink if you're gonna have a protein shake make sure you mix it with water not with milk beforehand don't don't drink milk don't do that and this yeah. should go without saying Anything. but i like to party as hard as the next person but don't get drunk before you go cast don't don't do that it's a bad idea too <laughs> true hangover uh hangover while casting is one of the worst things uh also you know screwing up your voice and yeah there's there's a lot of things there's a lot on the not to do list but uh, i like mentioning water i would also say room temperature water is better than cold water like ice cold water is yeah, i prefer room temperature ideal yeah yeah room temperature is good but water all the same if you have to drink water drink water uh easy easy to move on to uh oh, how else you one second because a guy yeah. in the chat said how is milk bad for you what does it do it causes like okay. extra mucus and phlegm and shit to build up in your throat and it makes like speaking more chunky yep i uh i have i have acid reflux right and i, I take medicine for it but I noticed with with milk and everything, like I have to clear my throat a lot, and apparently that's a side effect of also having acid reflux too. So it's even worse. Uh, the build up is is yeah, it's disgusting. A lot of phlegm, mm -hmm. it's, and uh, worth worth it's, having a look at as well. It's not good. I do not recommend. Definitely no dairy, no alcohol. Just yeah. stick with stick with water. Stick with tea. Um, also, how are sodas and energy drinks for casting? Don't do soda. Like just generally sugary bullshit you want to kind of stay away from energy drinks you can pop one if you need the energy but um don't make a habit out of just chugga 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 chugging them yeah, i know agreed. that i think back when i first started uh i think i yeah i think back when i first started riv was currently like getting himself weaning himself off energy as much energy drinks as he was having because riv was like drinking a bunch of them every show day to make sure that he was like he had the energy to go to go big for all the games, but he was like, yeah, I think I'm drinking too many of these stupid things. So yeah, definitely be careful with yeah. that. Don't just completely uh, go crazy with it. Of course, one exception for that is I will say working international event in League of Legends as a North American commentator is almost always a bullshit schedule because the events are very, very rarely in North America. So like when I did MSI yeah. final earlier this year, I chugged like... I chugged one of my fission energy bottles, which was the equivalent of five and a half Red Bulls. I chugged that. Oh my God. Yeah. It was a three o'clock in the morning cast, dude. Was, I was fucked if I didn't do that. There's no fucking way. True. There is no fucking way. That's true. So you for- should, You uh, should try bananas. Bananas are great, like instead in future. Really? Um, 
not not as good as five and a half energy drinks i'm sure <laughs> if you need that that real burst but um prepping with a couple of bananas munchables got me onto this like i had a banana before cast i was feeling sloppy slow i was tired i had a banana and sure i didn't become superman but i definitely felt hey, a man. lot better i feel like the a little bit are... can go a long way in situations like that yeah that's true plus um sugar by the way sugar dump like after after having you talk about sodas for for americans out there or, or soft drinks for any aussies or anyone down here either the soft drinks or sorry sodas the sugar crash is so crap during the cast <laughs> i have had a coke during cast like any kind of fizzy drink man the crash in game one or sorry game two or game three it's just, it's just not worth it. Yeah, you put yourself in a spot where you have to keep drinking more of it so you don't crash. And then you're just, it, it's bad. It's bad. So yeah, yeah I, I fully recommend just water, just tea, like something like that. Yeah, keep it, keep it, uh, keep it looped up. All right, moving yeah. on. Uh, on the other side, when you're, uh, we already talked about uh, voice just then. We also mentioned how you prepare for a cast um, and getting into it. I want to talk a little bit about your goal setting or how you monitor your improvement through the split. Uh, maybe even before a cast. I know when I was talking to uh, Munchables, he mentioned he, before going into a cast, he will look at the things that he can focus on. Not like 10 different things, but one or two things that he can look to help him improve with his color caster or improve yeah. on himself. Uh, do you do anything like that? And if so, what, what do you kind of focus on? So first, let me go ahead and get some more water because I ran out. So I got to stay hydrated and follow my own advice. And then I will answer. After that conversation? Yeah, yeah, I got to hydrate. Yeah, you do that. I'll talk to your chat while you're gone. It's okay. He's going to go disappear. So while we're in this lull state, I'm going to hydrate too. A big shout out to everyone. If if you're tuning in for the first time, Casting Chambers is a series I've had for quite a while um and getting in some really big guests we're doing play-by-play -play at the moment which is the hype side of the broadcast uh, such as myself flowers as you know you know people like medic freak uh, munchables as well from lpl um and yeah casting chambers built to be a resource that we can improve uh, the amount of information around casting if you're interested in getting into the scene if you're an amateur or a semi-professional i don't feel like there's enough resources out there so okay. i really want to make a series that that helps with that so yeah Okay. I was talking shit about you. That's going, all so. good. I'm a Skarner player. I'm used to it, man. All right. So we're talking about goal setting and things like that. So I think the thing that you already touched on a little bit about not 10 different things at once is a huge part of this. I think that yeah. the best way, at least for me, in my own experiences, to go about doing stuff is to approach problems one thing at a time, right? It's exactly like a game of League of Legends. There's actually a lot of parallels you can draw between playing the game and casting the game. So when you're trying to get better at League, you don't list 40 fucking things that you're supposed to do, and then you have to be better at all of them, and now once I do this, I'll be double it. No, you approach one thing at a time, you get better at it. I remember back in, in Season 6 when I was actually good and tryharded, I got to a point where there was one week where I was like, okay, my goal is I will not die at level 3 for Crab. No matter what else happens in the game, I will not kill myself at the crab at level three for any reason. Yep. And setting goals like that, setting focused goals, is the same way that you do stuff in casting. So one of the most common examples is people talk about crutch words in casting, something that you end up saying all the time. Like, I remember there was one where Reddit was giving Azale some shit for a while, and, and he even got a kick out of this, where he would start a lot of his sentences when you handed 
the conversation over to him, he would say, certainly, to agree with you, and then he would make his point. So that was one of the things is if you're trying to remove a crutch word, one of the things that you want to focus on and the way that I recommend for people to do it is remove that one word entirely from your vocabulary. You just can't say it for any reason. And everything else is just normal. So then you have your brain still got that one thing to think about, and then you can move forward and change things up a little bit. And it won't take you that long because you're isolating the problem. It's the same thing. Like if my goal is... I specifically want to be working on my team fighting and making sure that I'm calling out the right things. One of the things that I'll be focusing on when we go into, when it looks like we're about to get into a fight is I'll make sure I'll scan the sides real quick. Just be like, okay, is there any ulties down? Who's got flashes? Who's probably my most important person? Approach things one issue at a time in terms of a improving on a day-by-day basis. Focus on one thing at a time. See how good you did on that thing. And then... One of my top pieces of advice to any commentator of any skill level, no matter what, watch your VODs back and do it a day later. The reason you do it a day later is because you want to let your initial impression sink in about how good or bad it was. Like actually let yourself feel how you feel in the moment. And then after you wait a day or two, you can compare and contrast how you felt in the moment versus how you feel objectively reviewing it. Because I've had days before where I've had casts. I'm like, wow, that cast sucked. That cast was Nicki Minaj size ass. Just ass. (laughs) ass <laughs> but i won't go back yeah. and look at it immediately because i know that i'm so fired up because i thought i did a poor job i won't be able to look at it objectively so i just sit there i'm like okay why did i think it was so bad why was it so shitty i don't think i did the fights very good i didn't think my brain was really focused and that'll be my impression then i'll go back and i'll watch it the next day and i might be like yeah you know those fights were actually a little bit better than i thought i was yeah it felt like i lost the plot here a little bit in the in the mid game or whatever but after that it came back together pretty well and generally you're going to be able to find some truths and some falsehoods in your initial impression of the cast so watching your stuff back especially if you think that it was a rough one especially if you think that it was something that you failed to accomplish your goal is very important because if you don't do that so let's say I, I cast a game and I think that I really fucked up all the team fights and I wasn't focusing on the stuff very good. And I don't go back and review it. I just sit on that impression and I'm like, okay, this is what happened. Well, let's say that that's not actually what happened. Let's say if I look at the VOD and I go back, I'm like, hey, yeah, that one team fight I fucked up, but the rest of these were actually really solid. And this is, this is a real life example, by the way. This, I literally did this earlier this year. And I was like, okay, this actually wasn't as bad as I thought it was. So now I'm not letting my future thought processes and my decision-making and my focus be based on something that's false. The more you let your own brain run away with stuff that's not entirely accurate, the more it's going to warp the way you approach and handle things in the future. So whenever something feels like a pain point, whenever something feels like a weakness, whenever something feels like a fuck up, it's important to go back and critically evaluate it and make sure that those impressions are correct. Because if they're not, you're only fucking yourself up by focusing on the wrong things moving forward. So I fully recommend yeah, lots of lots of reviews on on whatever. Yeah, you're also, doing. I, I I like the frequent the you talk about going back a day or two later, right? I also think, um, you know, waiting too long. There's nothing wrong with going back a week later, but you talk about the initial impression, having that in your brain, and then moving to review or just watch back your cast a day or two later while that's still fresh i think it's really important too mm. where you're not kind of forgetting about it and going oh dismissing it and then you might have another cast or you might be getting towards another cast and you don't remember what you thought about the cast right like yeah um i think there's a, a time period that's important where I, I i used to i used to do something pretty full-on where I, I would do a cast i'd get home at 
9 10 p.m and i would go straight onto twitch and i'd watch it back immediately which is still you know having that initial impression but it's also full-on with a sense like i was doing extra work in the same day rather than sitting on it and going i'll do it tomorrow i'll when i'm actually in a better headspace yeah i've um, always like you can do it right after but again at least in my experience i've always found that especially if i thought it wasn't very good those frustrations cloud my my judgment and my review process which is why i've always yep. found it best to work if you give it a day or two yep good advice really good advice for um for amateur cast as well and, and to the point of saying that please look at your own work like at least you know within a week of it or there's a lot of amateur casters i know or semi-professional who don't look back at their own work they go oh i don't like the sound of my own voice i don't like how i you know okay how i sounded but it's like I, I think you need to expose yourself to that and you need to listen to yourself if you you're gonna to, be a fucking commentator yourself. you cannot say i hate the sound of my own voice if you're a commentator and you That's tell right. me that you hate the sound of your own voice i immediately lose respect for you i and i'm, well, why I'm just would people like the sound of your voice if you don't like your own you know yeah i'm like even if you don't like the sound of your voice let's let's say you can't stand the sound of your own voice don't fucking put a sign on your forehead and advertise that to people you're a commentator your voice is your identity and you're going around telling motherfuckers that you don't like how that sounds you're you're foolish at best at this point it, yeah. it, it frustrates me so much when i hear people who are commentators say that they don't like the sound of their own voices it's just stupid like yeah. it's it's I, just I stupid. i i agree i, I think you need to you need to remember that if you don't like the sound of your voice or like, oh, you don't want to listen to your cast and why, why would anyone else want to listen to it, right? Like, Exactly. Have confidence it, in yourself. It's a path of development. It's really, really important. Um, and from that as well, let's move forward. Uh, I know I'm... I'm still keeping you for a bit. How how much longer do you have? That's the question. Oh, dude, we got, gonna, I've got, I got hours. We're, we're vibing, dude. It's fine. Okay, good. I'll eventually good get to the point um, where my brain works properly and I can give coherent answers. Don't you worry. Well, hey, we're, we're at the point where we're, <laughs> we're going past goals and development and um, looking closer to the in-depth of it, which is your duty to the audience. Now, we've talked about this a little okay. bit before. This aligns a bit with play-by-play give me a little bit more on like what you feel like going into a broadcast like outside of being an entertainer what your duty is to the audience as a play-by-play -play or as a caster or even even as a human being like if that if that makes sense just so when i go into a cast i want to make sure that i'm enhancing what i'm doing right if i get on the mic mm. and people are listening to it and it's bet they enjoy it more muted well obviously i fucked up a lot so the, the number one thing i'm trying to do is how can i make this exciting how can i make this a better experience for the people watching it and i guess that it just comes down to you gotta remember that you're also a fan right that's the number one thing i tell people when they say hey i want to get into casting but outside of team fights what do you talk about what do you do what do you do think about what you would want to hear if you're sitting at home on the couch and you're watching the game have an honest interest in what's going on talk about things that you think should be talked about and be the kind of conversation that you would want to listen to that's one of the biggest yeah. things that i always try to bring that's why i try to keep things exciting that's why i want to keep it high energy that's why i like to joke around when the game's a bit more wacky that's why i want to keep it serious and super exciting when you got a really intense series is i just try to be honest to what 19 year old captain flowers who started playing league when it first came out would want to watch on the couch with his friends 
That's what I try to do. Nice. I think that's a, a really a, a really honest way of putting it where I feel like I can align with that quite easily, right? You know, I I I want to I want to be if I was sitting there on the other side, you know, I, I'd want to be enjoying this. I want to be having fun with the commentator. I want to be hyped up. Yeah, uh, is is a really big one as well. Like I want that emotion to come through and seep through to the audience so they feel what I'm feeling. It, it, replicating that as best as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So I, I, I think that's a nice, easy one. Um, that also aligns with, you know, what a play-by-play -play does. But I think whenever I ask this question, you know, your duty to a broadcast, um, you know, wh what, is your, uh, what is your goal for the audience? Um, people always come back with something that's a little bit more than play-by-play, -play, like, you've, like you've just given me. Um, let, let's talk about the duo a little bit more before we go into your, your career and your um, personal journey and you know what's next i want to talk about your role to the color caster now okay. and how you would describe that partnership we mentioned a little bit before about setting them up about talking with them i know you would you know you, you talked about uh, mark c and and um and raz into the broadcast and what you'd talk to them about before show yeah. um what about your role in general to a color caster and what you kind of hope to achieve or how you set them up or how you would describe that partnership in general so it's this is going to be different for everybody. It's it's even different mm -hmm. with me between like me and Azale versus me and Kobe versus me and Raz, right? The number one thing sure. is you always got to be looking like it's it's a symbiotic relationship, right? They're there to make you look good, you're there to make them look good. You're both there to make a damn good show. The better either one of you yeah. does to at setting up their their partner, the better you're both going to do together. So, one of the things that I'm always trying to do is part of my brand is I am very much honest about the fact that I am not an analyst. I have no delusions of being yep. an analyst. I have no desires to be an analyst. So I don't try to get into really nitty gritty shit about the game because honestly, I'm a Skarner one trick who peaked at diamond one. I don't know the nitty gritty stuff about the game. So what I always try to make sure I'm doing is having this, having this be, be part of who I am and how I, how I carry myself also lets me play the role of asking the questions of the average viewer. It's one of my favorite things to do. It's uh, one of the other people, if you're looking for somebody else in league who does this really well, is quick shot. And it's where sure. you just, you know, you're looking at a thing and you can ask your color caster questions to a, that you know, you pretty much give him a softball and then he hits it out of the park and drops the knowledge right so there's a situation where one of the things that i always like to do the most is and this is a little bit of a cheat code for league of legends specifically so paying attention throughout the draft once all 10 champions are locked in and we got that like 60 second timer where people are changing runes or whatever pay very very close attention to what your color commentator is saying during those 60 seconds because now that he's seen all of the champions he's making his final points about the drafts now that we've seen the last couple of picks locked in how people are going to be playing it yada yada who he expects to be ahead where when why and how and call back to those things when they happen in the game so like you know we we end up getting a a hyper carry of felios comp versus twisted a, a twisted fate like split push pick comp with a nocturne and stuff on the other side and azale says something about how yeah it's going to be all about the aphelios here if he can get to three items with without twisted fate and nocturne just being able to shut him down then they're going to be in a really good spot to win this game and so what i'll do is we'll look at every you know if aphelios starts off with a couple of deaths 
we'll go back to that point. Mm. If Aphelios doesn't have a couple of deaths, we're going to go back to that point. Always be able to call back to the things that your color commentator has said because, one, you already know that they're in a good spot to talk about this. If they said it beforehand, it means they're ready to address the subject. Because one of the worst things you could do is ask a question that your color commentator like doesn't have a good answer for. Like You never want to ask the guy a question yeah. that's just like, hey, what do you think they're thinking right now? Or what, what do you think the coach told him about this? Well, he doesn't fucking know. Like this because he, he yeah. didn't talk to the coach directly. And this is something that I remember, this is something that I remember uh, Deficio actually talking about because there was one time during Worlds, I think it was 2017, 2018, I don't remember which one. And we were talking about uh, speculating what they were thinking in XYZ moment, right? Like, oh, he might've been thinking that this was going to happen and the jungler was going to come, so he did this. And Deficio was like, no, just shut the fuck up. He's like, we don't know that that's what he was thinking. So why are we throwing out this false shit that's not actually there? He's like, there, we, yeah. we have a lot of stuff that we can look at the game and we can understand, but we didn't talk to the player. We don't know what he's thinking. All we're, this speculation is garbage. So, and, and that stuck with me. That stuck with me is there's so much information that you have available. There's so many things that you can talk about. Take the things that you have the best handle on. Take the things that you have the most perspective on and have a conversation around those. And it comes down to the same thing with setting up your co-caster. If he set up a point about how, hey, Aphelios gets to three items, and if the team's not too far behind, they're going to be great. Cool. That means I am trusting him to now like say, I want to have that conversation. I'm cool going back to that conversation. And that's one of the things yeah. that I always look for. I love to call back to points that my color commentator made earlier on in the game, earlier on in the draft, because it also paints a very coherent story. It makes it so you feel... It, it's Chekhov's gun, right? So for those of you guys who don't know, Chekhov's gun is a literary device that means if sometime in chapter one of the story, they mention a gun hanging above the fireplace, sometime later in one of the subsequent chapters... The gun needs to be used. It needs to be fired. It needs to be stolen. Something has to happen with the gun. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, why would you have ever mentioned the gun in the first place? So that's sure. one of the things that calling back to the stuff earlier on in the game, earlier on in the draft can do you is, you know, if he's talking about three item Aphelios win condition, as soon as Aphelios gets them three items, bring it up, talk about it, fire the Chekhov's yep. gun. Bring that back into the conversation because it goes back. It says, hey, here's this thing you were talking about. Let's see how it played out. It lets him further extrapolate and expand on exactly what he was saying earlier in the context of the way things have actually played out in the game. And it's just, it's a slam dunk. So that's one of the biggest things you can do is be paying close attention, especially to the stuff at the end hmm. of draft and beginning of the game that the color commentator says and be ready to call back to it. Because he'll be ready to explain it more, and it'll make the whole story seem more coherent. And of course, you know he's comfortable because he's the one that brought it up. He's the one that 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 right. um, set up the condition. We go back to talking about, uh, you know, setting the color up for something that one maybe they didn't mention, but two, you don't know if they're comfortable with, um, is always going to be failure. And I mention that because uh, some of the other things you can do, not just inside a broadcast, but outside of broadcast, as you were mentioning, you know, talking to your color before the broadcast. Getting an understanding yep. of what they want to talk about is 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 another way to hit one of those home runs because more often than not, what they talk about outside of broadcast will be like, well, look, this they've been really playing like this. This is a kind of comp that you know, let's say, uh, um, 
you know, CLG's playing this kind of comp. They've been playing it nine out of 10 games or whatever. That, that'll probably yeah. happen. You see it in game and you know, hey, they were just talking about this. I can bring this up anyway. That then leads into them setting up win conditions as well, rather than going in empty-handed, not having talked to your color caster and saying something stupid like, this is a really good, you know, CLG normally play one three one comps, but this is a really good team fighting comp. You're like, well, the color caster comes in and goes, well, actually, that's nuts. They have to prove you wrong because they want to put the right information out and right, you both yeah. look silly. You never want to put yourself and your co-commentator into a position where they feel like they have to decide between telling the truth and not embarrassing you, right? That's yeah. that's bad. We don't want to put ourselves in that kind of a situation to begin with. And the stuff that you're talking about with, you know, talking to your co-commentators and stuff, this goes beyond just explicit preparation for the game itself, too. Like, there's so many times, especially with, with Kobe and Azale, you know, like during regular season games where you're there for the whole day, even though you're only casting half the day, right? So the games that you're not casting, you're just in the caster room with everybody else bullshitting and watching. Mm. Just listening to the conversations, especially the conversations between other analysts, because they yeah. all have a deeper mind for the game that I don't. So if I'm sitting back there in the caster room and Azale's having a conversation with Kaizen about the way that Immortals plays around their mid laner, I'm going to remember that. And then if we get into the game yep. and the Immortals mid laner is constantly running around with jungle and looking for plays bottom, like I heard those guys talking about, that's one thing I can bring up. I'll just be like, yeah, and Azale, you and Kaizen were talking about this even back earlier today behind the scenes the way that he plays with his jungler is there to set up this bottom lane. And being able to just bring yep. those things in, because again, he didn't set it up this time. This was just a conversation he was having behind the scenes, but I know he's comfortable talking about this. I know it's relevant to the game, and I know that it's going to enhance the thing, as well as it just brings in a little bit more... Um, to me, it, it adds a little bit more credibility. It adds a little bit more believability because you you know that these guys were not just you know getting paid, walk on, say some bullshit about League of Legends, walk off. Like these are the these are the actual conversations that people are having behind the scenes talking about the game, and you're sort of letting yeah. the fans and the audience into that conversation and saying and letting them see some of the behind the scenes thought process. I guess it makes it more fun, in my opinion. And they love, I mean, the audience loves seeing that you know there's there's good rapport between casters, which leads me to my follow up question of this. Um, or, or I guess statement you can bounce off of the rapport between play-by-play -play and color caster or play-by-play -play and, and two colors um, I think is really important I think it's something that the viewers can always see and why I talk about them loving the conversation because between like this and, and you know you and Raz at uh, not obviously not this world the world before <laughs> I think it was where that was just so entertaining, where we could see that you and Raz got along well, yeah. that you had that flair, you had great rapport. It's something really important. You could see that you guys have talked before show and you were on the same wavelength. That translates onto broadcast and something that a lot of amateur semi-professional casters don't do because they don't look at it as a pairing, as a duo or even a trio in the rare case. They look at it as, as their cast and you know their mission to try and climb. But the audience can see rapport it's so important that relationship is amazing and if you get it right if you if you're genuine and you actually get along with your caster or you've talked before it comes across on broadcast yeah more easily than you think yeah 100 the better 
acquainted, the more familiar you are with your co-commentator, the better you're going to be able to make the show. Like for, that's one of the reasons why people loved me and Zyrene's cast so much when I first started, because me and Zyrene were just so, like, we're very similar people. We became best yeah. friends so naturally so quickly and so it was very easy for us to just get along like same types of jokes same types of bullshit knowing what works with who is super important right because the stuff that you might that might be really successful if you're casting with person a might not be as successful if you're casting with person b you're always going to switch things up a little bit you're always going to be needing to adapt to who you're commentating with and yes you could do a cookie cutter bullshit it's exactly like league of legends yet again Yes, you yeah. can go onto op.gg, look at the winningest items for any champion, and build that shit in order, cookie cutters like Christmas with Grandma. But yeah. you will win more games and be able to decide more outcomes if you actively change your items and your approach to the game based on what's happening around you. So while you could exactly. be a cookie cutter caster who casts the same way with every person, you're not going to be top tier if you do that. Because the same way that I talked earlier about letting your own personality shine through and being able to add you and yourself to the cast instead of just being someone who's regurgitating information all the time, it's the same thing for with your casting partner. There's your personality, there's their personality, and then there's the vibe between the two of you. And being able to hit that vibe right, that results in a lot of those fun moments where you have like Monty and Doa talking about just randomly bullshitting about Star Wars or whatever during a boring game. And you have, or you have Medi Vetti yep. doing their like crazy sticks in their intros and stuff like that, right? There's all sorts of these uh, Trevor and Deficio slapping ass and all the other shit they do. <laughs> Deficio's <laughs> fake taxi yeah. thing. Like <laughs> being able to, being able to just have fun with your co commentator is super super important yeah i agree it makes makes and you know when when you get it right when you build that rapport and you know and consistent duos we've seen you, you mentioned monty and doa maddie vetti's a good one deficio you know quick shot and i'm sure many duos in the future as well are built off the fact that you know these guys are, and i know that's that's different we're talking about being adaptable and no, no one ever should really cast the same with um one color caster versus another um, being able to adapt and not being that cookie cutter caster that is gonna is gonna dead end you. Yeah. Um, I wanna I wanna run into into you as a caster. I know we've been going for about an hour hour and fifteen. You've had your one one drink of water that, that that's all you need. <laughs> now we're gonna go into how you got to where you are because okay. I think you as a caster has one uh, have has you have one of the most interesting origin stories to where you are now because you progressed you know like we, we we kind of blinked and it's like you know finally this guy's getting picked up um i want you to start with your origin story how you got interested in shout casting you know where you kind of started and how you got to points of doing uh you know the unofficial broadcast remember again like i watched a little bit of your lms show um, yep. And I know you, you did more things after that. So how did you how did you kick it off the ground? So I've I've said the like you know the origin story from like I graduated college. I was shoveling dirt. I just I was burnt out on everything. I didn't know what I wanted to do, and it was just one of these things. I never thought I had a chance. I just sort of yoloed it to see if it would work. And I've I've talked in way more depth about that on on different interviews and stuff before. People could go mm. find that in a hundred different places. So instead, I'm I'm gonna go a little bit deeper into the actual 
like content part of it because I think that's more relevant yeah. to to amateur casters and also because I haven't said it on 20 different interviews. So Please. what the biggest thing for me was when I started, I had no connections and no experience in esports whatsoever. The closest thing I had to a connection was I had a guy who was in Challenger on my friends list. That's that's it, okay. right? I didn't know anybody in the scene. I was just a fan of esports. I, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. So I literally mm. was just like, go in a direction and run. Let's see what happens. So for me, starting off, I was originally doing forum tournaments. And, you know, those are about as successful as you can imagine. About eight viewers on those. And I, I eventually yeah. found a Reddit league that I was casting with regularly. And it, they would get 60 or 70 viewers they would stream, they would have like two stream days a week. And then for their finals, they would have around 100 or 150. That, that was big stuff. That was big stuff. You get one of them 150 mm -hmm. days. And so that whole thing was at the same time great. But I also found myself frustrated constantly because there was no feedback on whether or not I was doing the right thing because there was no one to give that feedback, right? I didn't know if casting this amateur thing and continuing along this road was working me towards a goal. I didn't know if I was supposed to be looking for like ESL, IEM, like random tournament bullshit. I didn't know if I was supposed to be trying to meet people. I didn't know what I was doing. I couldn't tell yeah. if I was walking in the right direction or not. So I was, I was almost constantly frustrated during, until I had that clip from that Reddit league go viral overnight. And that got front page of Reddit. And then that's what got Riot talking to me. And then this, I think, is one of the most important things. After Riot got a hold of me, I was like, okay, I can't let this be my spike. I was like, I can't let yep. a viral Reddit clip from an amateur league be the greatest thing that Captain Flowers has done. I can't just sit on that. So after Riot got a hold of me, I was like, okay. How do I take this to the next level? I can't just keep doing this random amateur shit that nobody knows about. So I, I was trying to figure it out. I couldn't figure out what my angle was going to be. Again, no connections, so I didn't really know how to proceed. But then one night, I looked on the League Reddit, and I saw a thread from Big Fat LP. And he was talking about, hey, why is there no English stream for Demacia Cup? I want to watch Demacia Cup, but I would rather watch it with English commentary, and nobody does it. Yeah. And I said, that's it. That's my angle. I had never streamed myself before. I had no idea how to even do it. I downloaded OBS. I taught myself how to do the shit. And I fired up a janky stream. I made a post. I was like, my name's Captain Flowers. I'm the guy from the front page the other day. I'm going to cast the Demacia Cup in English. Here's the link. I did not know if it was legal for me to do this. I did not know if I was going to get a cease and desist. I knew that yeah. I had about $200 and a pitchfork to my name. So if they sued me, who gives a fuck? Here's $200. Like, that's all I had. <laughs> I was, I, it was one of those yeah. things where I was like, I would rather ask forgiveness than permission for this. Because to be quite honest, I wouldn't even know whose permission to ask in the first place. I was a nobody, yeah. right? So I just YOLO'd it. I just went in and casted Demacia Cup. And I remember... I had 2,000 viewers peak for that, which was huge. I mean, this is a, this is a channel that had never streamed before. And we, I had 2,000 viewers for Demacia Cup, and even Freak and Zyrene and, like, people from Riot were in there watching it. And it was really cool. Like, okay. everybody was really into it. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is successful. So the thing that I want people to take away from this, I guess, is that just because you can't find an opportunity, like, 
you know, I couldn't find any IEMs or ESLs or any of that shit to do, doesn't mean that there are no opportunities. It just means you have to make one yourself. Nobody told me, Captain Flowers, you should do an English cast of Demacia Cup. I told myself yeah. that. I saw Big Fat LP's post and I said, that's what I'm doing. That's my angle. And then as soon as I saw that work, as soon as I saw that get 2,000 viewers, and as soon as I saw rioters and LCS commentators showing up and watching that, I was like, this is the fucking sauce right here. So as soon as that succeeded, yeah. I started looking around. I found everything I could find that was on the periphery of professional, like major region League of Legends that didn't have an official English cast. And that's what led me to doing the LMS playoffs. Because again, they didn't have an English cast. So I just jumped in, took yep. over, did it. It was great. After the after that, I would go on to do the open qualifiers for Challenger Series. Because this was back before we had franchising. So everything was still like, you know, promotion, relegation. So we had the Challenger circuits and yeah, stuff. Yeah. I casted the Challenger stuff from North America and Europe. Anything that did not have an English cast, I was English casting it. And I would find out later that there were people who were amateur commentators at the time that didn't fucking like me. They hated me because Captain Flowers takes all the content. Well, they can get fucked because I did all of it. They weren't doing it. Yeah. I didn't take anything from anybody else. I merely jumped on opportunities. So that's one of the things that yeah. you have to be ready to do is always go for opportunities and be willing to just YOLO it a little bit, right? If there's not an opportunity yeah. already there, make one yourself. Don't be afraid to jump in. If it fails, what's the worst that could happen? Well, you're right back where you started. So what? It's one of those That's things. Right. And getting. Oh, sorry, go sorry, for it. Sorry, you go. Oh, I was just gonna say it's it's you, you're getting experience on the way and you, you're making these opportunities. But I think the biggest, another big part of that as well is every time you're getting another opportunity. You're obviously developing on the way where I think I heard you one point. I'm not sure if I watched the Demacia Cup or not, but I remember hearing LMS and be like, man, this guy's like, you know, he's getting really good. He's doing so well. And the amateur cast didn't like you because you were developing because you were putting in the legwork. And there's some people out there I know who just expect it to come to them. They're a caster, so they should be getting work. But mm -hmm. you were a caster and you were making work. You've got um, to really be able to stand out. Yeah, you've got to stand yeah. out. You've got to you got to do it. One of the things that I specifically remember once I got to Riot, talking to some of the guys on the on the LCS team, like behind the scenes, who worked there. One of the things they told me is they were like, "Yeah, the the thing that really stood out to us the most about you is just the fact that you grinded everything. There, it's not just the fact yeah. that you were good; it's the fact that you were everywhere. Anytime we looked at anything that we didn't have an official show for, you had a show for it." And mm. it was a shitty MS Paint show from Cornfield Internet, but God bless it, I did it. We had those for everything. You did. And that it's one of those things where I look back and I, if I didn't jump in on that, if I didn't jump in on Demacia Cup and LMS and Open Qualifiers, I don't know if I would have got to where I am now still. I don't know if the, the Reddit thread would have been enough to keep them interested in me. But I know that I wouldn't have been able to have the same degree of confidence in myself that I do. Because by doing those things, by creating my own opportunities, by being my own catalyst for success, I, I never had to deal with any sort of idea that I didn't deserve where I was. I knew I did. Yeah. Because nobody else was doing what I did. Puts you as, a, as, as one of the hardest workers in the industry. Um, and it's, again, it's nice because I as i said at the start of this little segment where you got to where you are now is is through hard work you know everyone could see you grinding as well and it's not about them seeing you but more so that people could 
could follow your journey because then you made the leap to LCS. So what year, what year was the leap to LCS? Was it 2017, 2018? Yeah. So I started I no 2017. So I was okay. 2016. It was April of 2016 that the, the Reddit clip went viral. And then the entire yeah. rest of 2016 was interviews with Riot. And then I yep. signed the contract in December of 2016. And I flew out with three suitcases to LA in January of 2017 to start LCS. So wow. that's, so, it's been, yeah. So 2017, 18, 19, 20, this has been, I've now done five full years as a professional commentator. Wow. Got all, all that time ago and, and still, still with the LCS. Um, I, I want to talk a bit about your, your hurdles, your challenges, because you, you went from essentially, you know, working for yourself, filling in the gaps in, in where there's no English broadcast and doing that, that hard grind to then getting into the LCS, which is, I, I guess, a different type of grind, right? You had yeah. set broadcast. You're, you're on a professional broadcast now. Um, what was the biggest leap and, I, I guess, challenges for you moving to that? Um, well, I will say one thing. So I was always mm -hmm. a person. I was never like when I was a kid, I was, I was a dork. I got picked on when I was a little kid and stuff like that. I was never confident in my own appearance. So one of the things that mm -hmm. I really had to get used to is just like, you know, being on camera in front of people. It was one of those things that yeah. did not come supernatural to me. I've always enjoyed being an entertainer, but I've always felt very self-conscious about my own, my own appearance, my looks, things like that. So just being able to, and I think that's one of the things where it helped me a lot to have the confidence that I had in my skills. I was like, I don't care if people think that I've got a gigantic chin or I could bite through a boat or whatever. I was like, I'm so good at what I fucking do. I could look back like the hunchback of Notre Dame and they'll say, they'll say hey, that guy's a good yeah. commentator. So one of the things for me that was actually really, uh, one of my only, I was super excited when I first started the LCS, but one of the things that really got inside my head was like, I hope I don't get like that same kind of bullying, I guess, that I experienced when I was a little kid. I hated that. It makes my skin crawl yeah. thinking about it. So that's, I was actually very self-conscious about that kind of stuff. That was one of the big adjustments for me becoming somebody who, uh, who's now, you know, you're not just hearing me, but you're seeing me all the time. That was, that was a personal thing that I had to work through a lot mentally. I mean, I, people, people ask me why I don't have uh, Instagram. I just don't take pictures of anything. I literally, I've had the same profile picture on Twitter for like four years or something. I just don't take pictures. <laughs> so that's one of the things that I had to get used to yeah. is just like being like visible, I guess. It was, it was, that was very different for me. Uh, just yeah. also working in like, you know, you have a whole bunch of different schedules and meetings and stuff like that. I've never been a meeting person. I will tell you right now, buddy, I fucking hate meetings. I can't stand them. I think every yeah. meeting should be an email and I'm going to leave half of them unread. Like I don't like meetings. <laughs> so being able to, uh, being able to yeah. like get through some of the more like the, the, the tedious meetings and stuff like that, just sort of training myself to better deal with stuff like, you know, before you, before you do a road show, you have to have a meeting where they're like, here's the hotel, here's the bus you take. It's just, it's just like really boring stuff, but it's essentials. They got to tell you all that. And so just sort mm. of getting used to the, um, the less glamorous parts of the job, like sitting through a couple boring meetings about logistics when you travel and shit like that, like just dealing with the aspects of professional broadcasting that I had never done. Cause remember everything I did was from my room on my janky shitty MS paint stream, yada, yada, yada. 
So just getting used to that stuff was, uh, there are a few different things. Have you thought of growing out for LCS? Oh, my hair? You're talking, uh, is this guy talking about my hair? No, I, I, I do not like yeah. having my hair long. I had it long all the way back in high school. I won best hair in my senior class. Wasn't even fucking nice. close. But I, I like having it short. It, it's so much easier to take care of when it's short. So Yeah, true. You yeah. definitely got Led Zeppelin. You had Led Zeppelin. Did you have it long until <laughs> like a, a month or two ago? Yeah. Um, Wasn't it racing? No, so Long-ish. I had it super long during quarantine. I cut it at the start of this year. Because I yeah, okay, during okay, quarantine, yeah. I couldn't go get it cut anywhere. So, grow out the chin hairs. No, yeah, no, 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 no dude. That's the, unfortunately, <laughs> in, in character creation, when I when I got the, the chiseled jawline, the cost of it is that when I try to grow facial hair, I look like a homeless person. It doesn't. It, it does. I don't. Facial hair doesn't work on me. It it doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm always gonna go with the clean shaven look. I can't pull off the, I can't pull off the facial hair. See now I, I look like a child after shaving it for that moment. <laughs> I look like a little baby. So, but uh, I'm glad you put that picture up with the with the doobie in the mouth as well. Like yes, I, we I got like you, a, bud. I look a lot better. Yeah, making me not feel self conscious. Um, from LCS as we go through this. I, I want to take it up a notch. And that was the feeling. That was the adaptation. Worlds and international events. Now, I I know you've done a, you've done a Worlds final. I'm correct. I know. Yeah. You have to help my memory. 2018. Fnatic one? versus IG. 2018. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes. The best one. Okay. <laughs> so... That was a banger. Um, by yeah, the way. Well, that's, that's a word for it. I was joining LPL. Like, I was like going through LPL interviews. I was like, oh, it'd be nice if LPL won their first title before I joined. Uh, and IG, now my favorite team. So oh, yeah. getting ready for that, getting in, in the mindset, more so uh, from an emotional standpoint, how was it transitioning from joining LCS in 2017 to then in 2018, you're at the helm of... A, a world final, like the world final that everyone would be watching. So I want to go ahead and add a little bit of extra detail to this. And that is mm-hmm. at the beginning of, so I, when I did the world final, I actually did something. I don't know if anybody else has ever done this in League of Legends. I did both the opening and closing game of that tournament. I casted the first game of play-ins at Worlds 2018, oh. and then I also did the final. Normally, the casters that are on play-ins don't go as deep into the tournament and get all the way to finals. Yeah. And at the beginning of Worlds 2018, I was not in consideration for final. The only two people in consideration for the right. final at the beginning of Worlds 2018 were freaking quick shot. But I was told, because after I got through play-ins, I, like, the community reception was insane. People were loving it. Every single game I was doing, millions of notifications, Reddit threads about everything. In groups, it was the same fucking thing. People were going crazy for me. People were really liking what I was doing. Producers, and it wasn't just fans. Like, producers were really loving it. I was getting compliments from people on the team. And so I got told going into quarterfinals that... So remember, in 2018, this was also the year where we stopped sending people on site for the majority of international events. Like, most of it was done remote, and then people would fly out for the final. So the only time you would be traveling for Worlds 2018 is if you were doing the final. And our caster manager came up to me after groups was done before quarters, and she said, here, I need you to fill this out. This is the, the travel, passport, paperwork, bullshit, or whatever to potentially go to Korea. She was like, you are now in consideration, along with Freak and Quick Shot, to be the world finals play-by-play. I am not giving you the spot with this. I am telling you that you are now in consideration for it. And so I got, 
I finding that out was insane to me because I was under the impression that I had no chance of being able to do the world final. And then after the quarterfinals, which was the KT versus IG base race, the crazy, oh, yeah. that, that madness, that's the one the that uh, after that was done, I was told you'll be doing the final. Oh, wow. And so that was a pretty insane feeling to go from, in my second year, to mm. go from not even being considered to now being told you're the guy who's, uh, you're the guy who's going to do the final. It was, it was an incredible feeling. I was, uh, I, was, I was super excited, man. It was crazy. Uh, big shout outs, by the way. Big shout outs to Blizzard Entertainment for being such pieces of shit. And ruining Diablo with that stupid Diablo Immortals announcement. I was stuck in a Korean hotel with horrible jet lag. So I woke up and I watched some BlizzCon at 5 a.m. And I felt so betrayed and stabbed in the back. It actually let me sleep. So thanks, Blizzard, for helping the World 2018 <laughs> final be better with your dog shit management. Thank you. Oh, good. That's good. We'll send them a thank you note. I haven't turned on Battle.net since. That's wow. not an what exaggeration. A lot of people have it. I was a fucking yeah. lifelong fan before that. And those bastards just completely shot me in the leg. So that's, yeah, uh, um... so yeah, I was, I was, I was super excited about it. It was incredible. We got there. Of course, we all know that that world final ended up being a really shitty one. It was a three zero. It wasn't even close, but just being yeah. able to be there and be a part of it. There's no feeling quite like being in that massive stadium packed full of fans. Yeah. You see the teams up on the stage. Because that was when we had the moving stage come up and come apart. And then there was like the KDA hologram That's waifus. Right. And it was insane. It was absolutely incredible. I'll never forget it. Yeah. It's, a, it's an amazing experience. And I mean, look, that, that finals, even though it was 3-0, a um, lot of power. A lot of power for that finals as well, which we talked about with you before. Mm -hmm. um it's an amazing achievement you've cast the world's final you've been at worlds every year since uh, apart from of course this year as well uh, right which... i i was invited this year but i did decline it yeah uh, very understandable you know we literally had a, had a stream talking about mental health the other day and, yeah. and keeping yourself intact and um i think it's something really admirable as well considering that people don't look at mental health it's not important that's what, not what this stream is about uh, i'm going to move forward to the last last couple of questions before we ask any um questions to the audience from both chats right, before we go forward keep it in your pocket and then, i need to get another yeah, drink i'll be right me. back okay do that i'll go shit talk you again so well while he's getting a drink this is like the plug this is like hey who are we sponsored by we're sponsored by Blizzard. No, we're actually not. Please don't. <laughs> please. Please don't. We're not. Um, yeah, to, to Flower's chat, to my chat as well. Uh, we are... I, I Look, I'm not going to... Uh, you know what? Fucking come and get me. Come and get me. You know what? Come and get me. I don't care. You'll be right. All right, fuck it. We're drinking seltzers drink. now. Okay, so what's our next question? Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Kind of last but not least. Um... I kind of just told Blizzard to come and get me, but that's okay. okay. Second of all, I wanted to ask you about your future, where you see yourself. Uh, you don't, you know, I'm not asking for a hard plan. Like, what are you doing every year after this one? Right. But where you kind of see yourself in the future and where you see your casting or your career progression. And then to top it off, uh, where you see like League of Legends going, if you even have a projection along that line anyway. So... 
for League of Legends overall, I mean, I don't see League of Legends stopping anytime soon. I mean, we saw the insane turnout from like Chinese fans when EDG won this year and everything. I think that League of Legends is in a bit of a recession right now in North America, particularly. It seems to still be going very strong everywhere else, but just NA's nature to be less like centered on PC gaming, more about consoles, definitely much more into shooters as a genre than MOBAs and stuff in general. I think League of Legends is, it feels like it's slowed down a little bit in North America, but it's still globally, I don't see League of Legends going anywhere forever. Like, League is kind of in that category where there's no such thing. I literally do not believe there is any such thing as a League killer. The only thing that could kill League of Legends is League of Legends. I yeah. I don't ever see another game coming along that's going to just be like, oh, yep, took all the wind out of League of Legends sales. League is done. No, dude. League is huge. It's massive. We've seen what's happened with Arcane. We've seen what's happened with all this crazy shit. Like, League is here to stay for sure. But for my stuff in particular, like, this upcoming year, I have one very concrete goal. I want the world final. It's here in North America. Mm-hmm. It is the first time I will have ever done a North American Worlds because the last time Worlds was in North America was 2016, the year right before I joined. I want this year's final. That's, that is my concrete goal for this year is I want that world final. And after that, I'm not quite sure. That is one of the challenges, one of the things that I've had to really struggle with a lot ever since doing the world final in 2018 is when I first joined, when I first started casting, my goal was to get to the LCS, right? Then after I got to the LCS, mm-hmm. my goal was I want to do the world final. I want to I have that best in slot spot. And I got it at the end of 2018. And yep. I think 2019 was probably my weakest professional year. And one of the main reasons for that is I was constantly struggling. I was like, well, where's the goal now? What is my concrete goal? And it's, uh, it's one of those things that I've had to like struggle with and try to figure out for myself. Earlier this year, I got to complete my Infinity Gauntlet by doing MSI Final, because that was the last thing that I had just randomly not done before. So I've done World Finals, I've done MSI yep. Finals, Spring Finals, Summer Finals. Anything that exists in League, I've done it now. But I really want this North American Final just because, to me, it's really special that it's here in North America. It's like hometown crowds. It's... Like it's, it's my region. I want, I really want the world final this year. So that's my big goal. And then in general, one of the things, one of the things that I think happens to a lot of commentators when they have been in the game for a while, they've done most of the big events. They're at the top. You get to the point where you're like, okay, there's no new mountains to climb. Right. And what happens with a lot of people is you go one of two directions. You've got people like Monty and Jat and Papa Smithy that expanded into more like behind the scenes, production, management, that kind of stuff, right? Like Monty runs Flashpoint. He's got his own CSGO league. We know that Jat Jat went and did game design. Then Jat went and did coaching. He's kind of all over the place with trying different things. Papa Smithy's a a Mm. GM for 100 Thieves. For me, I have no desire to be a people manager whatsoever. That sounds like pulling my teeth out with an old pair of pliers. I do not want to manage people ever. I enjoy content creation. I love content creation. Doing this shit, hanging out here, streaming, making my own sort of stuff for people, doing the stuff like I've done collab projects, like the music video thing that I did with Ovali and Team Liquid. I love that kind of stuff. So that's kind of what I'm focusing on right now, along with the casting, is 
continuing to just make my own content, do my own thing, be an entertainer in more forms than just a shoutcaster, hanging out here, being a streamer, telling jokes to people, making parody songs and stuff like that. So that's kind of running parallel to casting right now is I'm just sort of doing both of those. And I think that's yeah. what happens to a lot of a lot of casters is you either get more involved on the production and behind the scenes side of things as you progress as a caster, or you get more involved in just wanting to do more different kinds of content creation shit, right? Like if you look at, yeah. like, like Cajal's a good example of somebody who has done really good at doing his own content, right? Like Cajal is always streaming. He's doing, he's kind of like moving into a very similar vein of what LS does, right? He's always, he's got a, a lot of people that he knows in the pro scene. He's always, he's a high level player himself. He's always having conversations. Yeah. He's always plugged into all the, all the talk and all the rumors and all the good stuff. So like doing content is something that I love doing. That's what I'm going to be pursuing plenty of. And I don't really have like after I really want this upcoming North American final because once I do that, I feel like I've kind of checked every box as a com. There's, I don't actually think there's any more uncharted territory after that. Unless you want to do the world song. I mean, maybe put on the top of your list. You, you sing the world song. Forget, <laughs> you know, forget imagine dragons, dude. Maybe, maybe you're in arcane. Maybe you're in the RPG coming up at the fighting game. I don't know, but yeah, I, I can understand where you're coming from when you talk about, uh you know ticking all the boxes you've you've done so much you've now been in in lcs you've been in the world scene for quite a while um yeah it's, I, I remember talking to this uh, this uh, this exact topic with papa smithy when i did riff rivals in 2019 mm -hmm. and he was talking about you know ticking the boxes like he's he's ticked all of them yep um, i had i had the same conversation was... with him when he was yeah. uh when he was leaving casting and going into like 100 Thieves going to be being the general manager. He was like, yeah, I've, he was like, you're in the same position I am. He's like, we're both at that top level where we're, you know, we're invited to worlds. We're always considered for the big games. We are considered masters of what we do. But he was like, there's nothing left to challenge myself on. I've, I've done it. I've yeah. beaten the game. And so then he needed to move on to something else. And the thing that he wanted to move on to was trying his hand at, you know, being the GM of 100 Thieves. And obviously they have a banner in the fucking LCS studio now. So it's been going pretty good for him. But that's, sure. uh, that's what I think it comes down to is eventually you reach a point where you, you have to expand into something more. And most people will end up going either towards content creation or towards more like broadcast production stuff. Because like yeah. I know like Dracos in LEC – Draco's does so much behind the scenes shit, dude. Like he he writes so many of their skits. He's involved heavily in production. Like he is very very hands on with so much stuff. It's the same thing. Like back when Jat was a commentator, Jat was involved in tons of meetings, tons of conversations with with people in higher ups, like talking about formats yeah. and changes and stuff like that. He was really into that kind of stuff. So yeah, people just have wow. different different angles and different uh, approaches that they take to expanding what they do beyond just commentating itself yeah it's 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 something that um you know since, since you're talking about is I, I feel like we're at very different avenues at the moment in in that regard a oh, fucking webcam god damn <laughs> um we're very different very different avenues but i can i can definitely understand you know your feelings and i i really hope that this year for you is is a you know a, a world's final year it would be an awesome way seeing it return to north america and you at the helm of it as well, considering that you are, you are the the representative of the LCS. And the way I 
and I say that again, not to, to shit on anyone else, but when you look at the LCS, the brand right now is aligned with you. Like you are the homegrown American talent that that leads the LCS. That's not me blowing smoke up your ass. It's it's the truth of I think how not just me, but a lot of people see the broadcast and the league. And from an entertaining perspective, you're definitely at the helm. So, and that's great. That think, means I'm doing my job right. If people specifically are loving what I'm bringing to the table, that means that all that shit I was talking about earlier, about putting in personality, about trying to make yep. it the show that I would want to watch as a fan 10 years ago as a college kid, that means I'm doing it right. And that's awesome. Yeah. Your brand, I mean, your branding's on point. You know, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Your branding is on point. Um, as we finish up here, Flowers, uh, like, huge thank you, by the way. Uh, I want to just put it out there to anyone who has any, any questions, whether they're amateur casters or not, or just curious. Oh, yeah, we got plenty of time. If you guys got any questions, I'm happy to talk. Yeah, yeah, throw it forward. Because a lot of the time, I, I think, you know, I've had amateur casters come to me saying, well, there's, there's not many resources out there. Um, this is a great time for you to get get a question in, uh, like, like Requipstar asking how you can connect those in League of Legends esports scene with Riot or an org if you're looking to work in a scene. So, what he's asking, he or she's asking, is how can you get connected to people that work in a scene, like an artist or a content creator, because you're graduate graduating in next May. So one thing I'll tell you, first and foremost, the most important thing to remember is there is not a set path. Esports is still very much Wild West. You can talk to 15 different people and you're going to get 15 different stories about how they got to where they are. So one yep. of the big things is it's kind of hard to just, you know, walk up and say, hello, yes, I enjoy games and I would like a job. Here is my skill set. It doesn't really work a lot like that. But one thing that I would recommend is, you know, if you're trying to work with teams, if you're trying to work with Riot, Especially for, so Riot's a little bit more difficult, because getting into Riot is really fucking hard, man. Like, Riot, every single time Riot posts a job opening, there's going to be 10,000 applicants to it. So you, like, getting into Riot is just, like, the best thing I can recommend for you, bookmark their careers page and check it every week. Bookmark their careers yep. page, check it every week, and be doing everything you fucking possibly can to have relevant experience. Riot does not want somebody who has... A degree and no experience they, they don't they want people who have who are educated in what they do who are proficient at what they do but they want to yep. be able to see how you've done that job in an actual environment that's so important so all the hands-on experience you can get if you're looking to get it get, get in it riot is going to be huge for working with teams orgs and stuff like that i it's not as difficult one thing that i would highly recommend is any of the orgs or teams or whatever that you're wanting to work with follow them on literally every social media that you have with like twitter join their discords shit like that a lot of times you can meet people and network just by those sorts of things. Like teams post stuff all the time when they're looking for, be like, oh yeah, we're hired. We're looking for a new social media person, blah, 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 blah. Or we're looking for a new artist for X, Y, Z. Nothing is stupid if it works. So nope. join yep. the discord. Fuck it. If you, if you don't end up meeting anybody or finding any opportunities there, it's not like it costs you anything. You just click the button. So always just be thinking about, well, what's the best way to say this? Don't try to pigeonhole yourself into, oh, I, it, I probably have to do it this way, or I have to have a professional meeting, or I have to go to a job interview. Opportunities are everywhere, and in esports, they can be super random. So yep. just uh, 
one of the most important things is to be actively trying to get as much experience as you can in whatever whatever's actually pertinent to you. So the first thing I can tell you is anybody out, I don't think this really fits Requip Star's question so much, but I do have to add it as a detail to the general topic. If you ever tell an org or a tournament or anybody that you just want to work in esports, you don't care what you do, if they're worth anything, they will immediately disregard your application. You like you just shot yourself in the foot. Make sure yeah. that if you're trying to get into esports stuff, you know what you want to do. Because if you're if you're Bob Smith and you just love esports and you want to get into esports and you'll do whatever, man, sure you can be I'll be an artist, I'll be a producer, I'll be a, an interviewer, whatever you want me to do. Why would I take Bob Smith, who will do anything, but he's not really good at it, versus Jimmy John over here? And Jimmy John is a has been a graphics artist for the past five years, and he really wants to be a graphics artist. If I can have Jimmy or Bob be my graphics artist, I'm taking Jimmy 11 times out of 10. Oh, yeah. So specialize. Know what you want to do. Know what you're looking for. Get practical experience doing it at whatever level. And be able to like have that portfolio and be ready when the time comes around. There was not an open Riot casting position when I first was starting casting, right? It wasn't there. I actually, at the yep. end of 2015, applied for the open spot in EULCS. I never got a response. They never even told me no. I got fucking ghosted. But I didn't let it deter me. Oh, I was just shit. like, hey, you know what? Fuck. Doesn't matter. Keep going. So what, what year was that for the application? Uh, end of 2015. That was um that's medic spot now, isn't it? Because I applied for that as well, and I went into interviews for a couple of interviews, and then um didn't end up getting it. But it was like, hey, you know, right time, right place. Like th that that came into it, and lucky enough to to get an interview, right? Like yeah, all the same. Even if you didn't get an interview, it's like well. Um, I had the experience that I, I tried to apply for this because I was ready because I was casting, but you know, I didn't get it. Okay. Why didn't I get it? That goes a little bit deeper, but yeah, like I, I agree with the right time, right place, 150 million percent because a lot of the time, you know, opportunities aren't just going to be there, but you're right. Like checking the website and making sure that you're building up the skill set yeah. for the time when that opportunity does fly across and, and you're there and you're ready. Yeah, make sure that when that moment does show up, if you're if you're trying to go in and, and you want to be an artist or whatever, have that portfolio ready. Show them the stuff that you've worked on. Show them the graphics packages and the, the promotional art and stuff like that you've made for teams and tournaments and orgs. Because if you come in and you've got 20 pages of this stuff showing your past work and all these different people that you've worked with, it's going to look so much stronger than if you just come out and say, hey, mm. well, I graduated recently, but I don't actually have any relevant experience in the esports world yet. So don't be afraid to just jump in. Get your hands dirty. Yep, agreed. Um, now there was another question up here on more of a statement um, as we go through bands. Uh, not a question, but could you tell us the difference about working for Riot compared to freelance? Um, okay. Yeah, I, I, I can't comment on this. I, I mean, I work for TJ. I don't work for, for either of them. So uh, you're up. So what I would say is this is not a question that has a right or wrong answer. There's not a right, wrong answer for this situation. What it is, is it comes down to what you want to do. If you want to strictly just do like Riot Games official, like league sanctioned broadcast stuff, Worlds, LCS, LEC, like whatever, 
then being a freelancer doesn't make that much sense because the content you want to focus on is all under Riot's direct umbrella. They control it all, so you just want to stay with Riot. For me, being a freelancer was absolutely the right choice. And this ties into what I was mm. talking about, how I'm going into more content creation stuff, how I'm doing my own streaming, yada yada. When you work for Riot, Riot has a lot of control over stuff. So, like, even, like, when I was salary with Riot, the thing is, if I wanted to do a, like, even, even if it's not during LCS time, even if it's randomly, like, some Tuesday afternoon, if I wanted to do any sort of paid anything, I had to get Riot's okay on it. Had to. So, even if it wasn't associated with Riot or League of Legends at all. If it was like, hey, um, Raid Shadow Legends wants to pay you $4,000 to do a sponsored stream. Riot would have to okay that if I was on salary with Riot. Mm. Whereas as a freelancer, Riot obviously, like, you know, when it's LCS time, when I'm on their clock, like, we're, we're doing things their way, but then they don't get a say in what happens when I'm off their clock, right? Like, I can do random sponsors. I can stream whatever game I want. That's one of the things that you have to consider is these things are better or worse for different people depending on what you want. So if you just want yep. to be a professional League of Legends commentator doing Riot's official events, it makes much more sense to just go for the full like salary thing with Riot. But if you're interested in doing your own types of content, if you're interested in having like a stronger personal brand and doing stuff outside of Riot's umbrella, then freelancing is much better because it gives you more freedom. It gives you the ability to develop yourself in your own way without having to constantly check in with them. And it's just, there's pluses and minuses to both. For me, freelancer is way better. Yeah, that makes sense. On top of that, um, I'm going to build Gabba's question on top of that. Okay. How can your work outside of Riot affect your relationship with them? Like, have you found any, any negative effect or positive? Obviously, you're not going to talk uh, anything too personal, but... Right. Like... But well, I've actually, Riot's been very, like, even when I was first switching over to freelance, like, Riot was super cool about it. Again, this, it, me going freelance was not one of those things, because one of the most frustrating things about it was when I was doing it, it was also when, like, some other people were going freelance, but it wasn't their choice. So I had a bunch of people who were like, Kevin Flowers is Riot kicking you out. I'm like, no, dude, I literally just want to be a freelancer. So Riot has been very cooperative with me the entire time. They've only wanted to be like, hey, if this is what you really want to do, let's set this up so we're able to all be successful together and everything like that. So Riot's been very helpful overall with, uh, with freelancing. There's never mm. really been a thing where I've had, like, where I've butted heads with them over anything. So I, I think maybe if I... Uh, I'm trying to think if, if there would be anything that would really piss. I think one of the things that they don't like is they don't want, like, they probably wouldn't want me to have a, uh, like, any really sus sponsors. Like, any of those weird gambling sites that rip off kids or whatever. Yeah. They, they would probably be pretty upset if I had one of those as a personal sponsor. They'd probably be like, hey, that's not very cool. But uh, in general, I haven't had any issues. I haven't had any conflicts with Riot. Like, I've done stuff with... Uh, with other games, like I casted Path of Exile, Twitch Rivals, I casted uh, just other random shit. I've not had any issues. Mm. Okay, that's good to hear. Not not expecting any anyway. Yeah. Um. On the other side, Leo asks, "Would you like to voice act or any show related to games or anything you like? Have you have you thought about doing mm. any voiceover work or um anything that's still like within the entertainment industry, but?" Wait, yeah, I missed the first part of the question because the, the audio fucked up. I missed the first part of the question. Oh, no, dude. Australian internet is as bad as Americans. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Um, 
would you like to voice act or even act in any show? Like, oh. would you look at voice acting at all? Even oh, for yeah. games I, or anything? Oh, absolutely. I, one of my goals is... So, I don't expect the MMO, Riot's MMO, to come out before 2030. But my goal is yeah. whenever that comes out, I want to be a big enough content creator that they let me be a Brackern. I want to be a fucking Brackern in that okay. game. And uh, in general, I love doing doing voice types of like, even when I do my Ruined King playthroughs here on my own stream, I voice act all the characters that don't yeah. have voices. Like I love doing oh, that nice. kind of stuff. That's that's exactly the kind of content that I enjoy doing. I want to do a thing where I do. I want to host a Dungeons and Dragons and Dragons game as the dungeon master because I like playing all these different characters. It's super fun. So yeah, that's hundred percent something yeah. that I'm looking into. Something that I think could be a lot of a lot of fun and uh, would fit my skill set really well. Dude, I, I I keep saying arcane. It feels like arcane is has got your name <laughs> on for a future episode. I don't understand why they haven't approached you. Um, and a world song saying that before because you did do you did a cover with a heavy metal band I, i'm sorry i've forgotten the name uh where you came in for a they don't call it a cameo what do you actually oh where, call I, it? where i did the where i just did the guest verse on on the giants heavy metal cover yeah, yeah. so it, yeah. it wasn't a band it was actually my friend uh my friend trey trey is also a member of pentakill so ah. yeah 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 incredibly talented oh shit incredibly talented it was it was super awesome to do but yeah, yeah, I'm I'm interested in in that kind of stuff. I think it would be a lot of fun. It's uh even when I was doing when I was doing the Ruin King streams and just doing the voice acting stuff in there, some of the guys who were devs on the game were watching my stream and they all fucking loved the uh the improv voice acted characters. So that at least was a little bit of an indication that I feel like I'm doing something right there. So yeah, yeah man, the sky's the limit. Yeah, it should be, right? It should be um yes of course he's still casting for uh, lcs um yes i, I am planning I, I to round it out. i'm planning yeah. to we got Go negotiations on. for next year's contract i think uh i think we're doing i think my agent's doing that next week so we'll True. have all the details there. freelance I, sh I shouldn't just assume we should make it spicy he's actually coming to the lpl <laughs> actually trying to bring it out. that would be something hey you want to tick something else off the list cast a 17 team league no. where rogue warriors exist and it's like casting I don't know, bunch of bunch of diamond one tricks, honestly. No, when I was hanging out with when I was hanging out with the LPL guys last night, Lyrics like, wait, we gotta do a cast together and it's it's gonna be sick. I was like, we I was oh, like, shit. I'm not getting up at two o'clock in the morning to cast an LPL game. I'm not doing <laughs> that. I'm I was like, when, when worlds rolls around, I will be happy to cast with you. But I am not getting up at two o'clock yeah. in the morning. <laughs> oh god. Um the a couple more questions before we finish up because uh from the pretty much the whole show here has been about starting you know starting from nothing where to begin like you know flower story was a good example is there anything you want to elaborate on that like how he can start i mean i think you just need to get how do you become an esports caster and... from nothing where or how to start okay so the first thing to do is figure out do you want to be a color caster or a play-by-play -play? don't tell me you'll do whatever tell me which one you're actually passionate about whether you want to be you know like an analyst or you want to be a hype guy and then just yeah. jump in. Learn how to use OBS. Uh, record yourself talking over a couple of games. Whether, like, I literally started off just casting some friends solo queue games. It wasn't even pro games. Just to get myself used to talking over the games. Do that if you need to. Take a VOD from a game that you haven't watched in one of the, one of the pro play regions. And just mute it and cast over it if you want to do that. Whatever. Just start. Just start. Yeah. Record. If, if you're not confident in showing it to other people, you think, oh man, I'm probably going to be shit. Who would even watch this? That's exactly what I said about myself when I first started. I spent a month just recording 
myself casting solo queue games and watching back my own VODs before I let anybody else ever hear me cast a game at all. Yeah. And just watch your own VODs back. I cannot say that enough, especially as a beginner. You are going to do some stuff that is seriously, unabashedly, unfilteredly fucking cringe. And it will sound terrible. And you won't realize that unless you're watching your VODs back and being like, wow, I got to not do that anymore. So jump in. Just start commentating a couple of games. Watch your VODs back for yourself. And then once you're at that level where you feel like, okay, I'm ready, to, I'm ready to have other people listen to this. I'm ready to give this an honest shot. Look for Discord leagues. Look for Reddit leagues. Find some small community to regularly cast in so you constantly are, are getting reps. And it's also going to train you yep. too for being able to incorporate narratives, player stories, team stories, and stuff like that into your commentary, right? Because you're actually going to be following teams. You're going to be talking about stuff as opposed to just pulling up a random game that you happen to not watch live and you don't even remember which part of the season it's from, don't know what the narrative was then, the story or whatever, get yourself into a into a small-time league, cast with it regularly, constantly be working on that portfolio. Make sure you're saving the links to your good casts, man. Make sure you're ready so that whenever something comes up with, you know, it's way better now than it used to be. It's way better now than it yep. used to be for up-and-coming casters because of the way that Riot released their clutches on Academy. So Riot really likes having control over their own uh, esports ecosystem, which makes sense. Totally fine. Like they own it. That's their that's their choice. But recently, how they just like let Academy go from Riot's control, and now it's you know there's a lot of like third party tournaments organizers stuff like that in the Academy and Tier Two system. That is so fucking huge for people who want to be commentators because now there is something under LCS for them to aim for. Because back when, yep. when Academy or Challenger Series or whatever you wanted to fucking call it back in the day was controlled by Riot, that you didn't really have anything to aim for except, okay, I got to get to Riot because they control everything. So cast with small leagues, cast with Reddit communities, Discord communities, whatever. Build yourself up a portfolio, get that experience. And then when you see somebody post, you know, hey, the... The tier two amateur proving scouting circuit is looking for a couple of commentators for the upcoming last chance double triple major qualifier. Send them your shit. Give them the links. Say, here's what yep. I do. Here, I've been casting for this long. And that's, you just, it's slow. I will tell you right now, getting through amateur esports, it can feel like a trench sometimes. It's slow. You're not even going to know if you're heading in the right direction half of the time. But the important thing is to just focus on improving, focus on making sure that you're getting better, that you're building up a portfolio, and that you're moving forward. And sometimes it's going to feel like, well, I don't even know if I'm moving forward. But you just got to keep going anyway. As soon as you stop, that's when it dies. So just keep grinding, just keep casting, jump in there, be a part of leagues. But the thing that I have to caution you about too because I've, I've talked to some guys before who are uh, in, in similar streams like this where a guy will come up and be like, hey, Captain Flowers, I'm an amateur caster. I cast with four different amateur leagues and I cast six days a week, but I feel like I'm not getting, uh, I'm not getting anywhere even though I'm casting seven-hour days and I have to like, chug so much water. Don't work yourself to death, especially mm. if it comes to like voice health stuff. Pay very close attention, especially if you're someone who's just now starting casting. You don't really work in some sort of an industry that involves talking a lot. You're not a public speaker or anything like that. It's, it's tougher than it looks in terms of how much strain it puts on your voice and your throat. Be very mindful. Don't do some stupid macho Chad bullshit where you say, yeah, I'll just cast through it. No big fucking deal. Because as soon as you fuck your voice, you're fucked. You really yeah. need to pay attention and have enough self-respect 
to not burn yourself into the ground. Make sure that he you're made, um... grinding hard. Sorry, you keep going, keep going. Um, but yeah, oh, sorry. Make sure you're grinding hard, but don't grind so hard yeah. that you, uh, you, you burn yourself out. Don't grind so hard that you can legitimately injure yourself. Don't do that. Yeah. I, I was, I was, uh, sorry to interrupt. I, I was going to come in and say that one of the, the biggest things as well, I think when people say, oh, I'm doing six days a week or like I'm casting so much. It's like, I believe in quality over quantity. Yeah. Now getting experience is really important. But I, I have a really good case here. When LPL, uh, LPL is, as people who don't watch the English broadcast, it started being seven days a week. I think it was last year um, because we have so many teams. Seven days a week of English broadcast. And my view was a second year play-by-play -play caster in the league. I was like, okay, there's only four of us who got into China we got locked in china by the way we couldn't leave otherwise we wouldn't be able to get back in we wanted to keep our jobs and there were four of us casting seven days a week now if anyone watched the english broadcast in 2020 spring and even summer there were weekends that had three days three three best of threes a day and for the majority of spring every single day had three best of threes a day uh bar a tuesday or a wednesday so let's take this on a bigger perspective a premier region versus you know your amateur or semi-professional league i was casting a lot but i wasn't having time to reflect and look back at yeah. what i was doing and i was literally you talk about like burnout like my voice was shit i was not getting any better like sure i was getting the experience and naturally i was still progressing but i had no time to look back i think that can apply to any league where even if you're an amateur and you're doing six days a week, it's like, well, is that actually the smartest move? Like one, it's not looking after your voice probably, especially as yeah. a play by play. And two, you're not getting time to reflect on your broadcast. You got one tomorrow. You got one the next day and the next day, and you don't know how you're improving. You don't know how you're progressing. Yeah. It's, you've got to make sure that you're, um, let's, how do I want to phrase this? I'm trying to think of the exact words here. You've got to make sure that you're getting value out of what you're doing. Don't just be putting in reps for the sake of saying, yes, the more I cast 100 hours compared to only 50 hours that I could have casted. Well, if you did 100 yeah. hours, but you were not getting any sleep and your voice is half shot and you never look back at one of your fucking VODs, I'd rather have the guy that did 50 hours and was able to take care of his stuff and properly learn from it, right? So be just be aware. Make sure that you're always evaluating. Like if As soon as you get that feeling in your brain, like... Wow, man, I'm. It feels like it never. Like I can't stop and catch my breath. Don't just fucking yep. ignore that and say, "Oh, well, I guess I just got to grind more." No, 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 no. You gotta actually be conscious of your own limits. And I, I, the word limits gets a lot of negative publicity right people talk about like be aware of your own limits it's like oh yeah you just gotta break that limit bro come on brother hustle culture let's go let's break them lim fuck off you've <laughs> got to be yeah. able to understand when you're pushing too hard and allow yourself time to recover and recuperate because if we give ourselves the opportunity to recover and learn and actually process things we actually get further ahead than the alternate timeline version of ourselves that did nothing but face to the grindstone for forty-five thousand hours so yep. just make sure to have that self-awareness it's um oh god i mean having experience it firsthand as well it's like i think i've developed a better self-awareness from it but i don't think it's something that people should be going through um without thinking working smarter not harder is is 
my biggest summary of that especially um flowers last one i want to uh, and i want a good one. Oh boy so i'm gonna roll i'm gonna scroll down your your ever ever listing chat and i had it before and now i've lost it <laughs> it's it. all good it's all good plenty of time yeah. my friend uh it was it was in negotiations before and i think this is a nice way to end uh, how do you make sure not to under overvalue yourself in negotiations? I, that's something that can be quite broad for mm. any line of work. Um, it's also having respect in yourself. So I, I, I want to see your take on, I guess, your approach in valuing yourself in negotiations. So this one's this one's a little bit tough. I actually, I'm uh, for the first time in this interview, I'm going to decline to answer this question because it's. I feel oh. like if I give someone a a wrong answer, it could be actively harmful to their own decision making process. That is true, and it's not something that I have thought deeply enough about. I am unconsciously competent yep. at this, and for those of you who don't know what that means, to be unconsciously competent at something means you know how to do it, but you're not good at explaining what gives you that understanding. So whereas I'm consciously yep. competent as a caster, I can tell you what makes me a good caster and I can tell you how to follow similar steps. This negotiation thing is something that I'm still new enough to that I am not confident in my own ability to adequately explain it. So I'm going to decline the question so I don't give you wrong information. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, then look, honestly, um, thinking about it as well, it's it's something that changes. Like as an answer, it's something as well that would that would that would change per person, per environment, per work. Like it is actually a wide open question. I would say do your own research and know your environment, but that's not advice either from from me. So, good point. I want to end. I do want to end on a on a good question though. So, all right, it's okay. There was someone up up, up the top saying that uh, Wes was saying that he's going to write a research paper on esports career outside of playing, okay. uh, on focus of casting, and he's struggling to figure out con uh, contacting casters for interviews. Do you suggest on how to reach out to casters for that kind of thing? I mean, really, all you can kind of do is just YOLO some Twitter DMs. What I will recommend you to do is uh, if you have the opportunity, like sometimes people try to do this kind of stuff for school projects, which obviously are a much more limited time frame. But if this is something you're yeah. doing as part of like your own content or your own individual project, be, merit, be, ugh, be very mindful of when you ask people for these interviews. When I get DMs of people asking me for an interview or something, and it's like in September, I'm like, I will literally never accept any of these because Worlds is in less than a month. Like, I just, I don't yeah. have the time for this shit. I'm too busy. So be aware of whatever the big events that are going on. And you'll probably have more success if you hit people up during less intense parts of the year, right? If it's just a, a random time in the middle of spring or summer split, you're probably gonna have much more success finding availability on people's calendars than you will if you're hitting them up two days before they fly out for a road show. So just be, yeah. be mindful of when you ask. And in general, there's not actually a solid answer for this. It's just try to just go in DMs and hope it works. Yeah. Also make it as simple to approach as possible. It's like with anything, right? Um, with uh, interviews, you know, research papers, or even VOD reviews. Where amateur casters, I know you probably had this where people are sending you big VODs saying, hey, what do you think of my casting? Um, go in with a specific goal in mind asking, hey, we're looking at this specifically. Here's two, three sentences on what I need from you, if even that. S simple as possible, will it work? 
um, and be mindful of the other person's time. Because I, I think that's fair, just on fod reviews too. Um, getting a getting a DM about a vod review that has no time code, that has nothing specific they want to look for. They're just like, is my casting good or not? And you're like, well, I, I you haven't taken the time to make it as easy as possible for me. You I, like, you don't know which direction you're going in. Yeah. So, yeah. and for, for me personally, so I have a really shitty attention span. If I'm really into mm -hmm. something, I can play a game for, like you guys saw me play, the guys of you that were here for Ruined King, you saw I literally played Ruined King for 13 hours and didn't realize I was playing it for that long. But in okay. general, my attention span is crap. Like I, I have a, a pop song attention span of about three and a half minutes. So if somebody comes into my nice. DMs and says, Captain Flowers, will you watch my VOD? And it's like 48 minutes long. I'm like, no, I won't. I I, I don't have a vested interest in this and I won't be able to give yep. you anything valuable on this 48 minute fucking video. But sometimes people come up and they'll be like, hey, Captain Flowers, I'm an aspiring caster, yada, yada, yada. Here's a team fight that I thought I did pretty good on from my small league finals. Could you tell me what you thought of it? And it, it's a 30 second clip. So I'll watch it and I'll say, hey, I really liked your energy there towards the, uh, towards the beginning and the middle, but at the end, taper it off a little bit better and make sure you're using ability names here and here, right? So just, it's very much important for you to recognize what you're asking when you're approaching these people, exactly like Hysterics is talking about. You know, if you, and also never ever for any reason, if you're DMing someone, never DM them saying, hey, can I ask you a question or something like that? Be very upfront with what you're saying from the very beginning. Yeah. If you DM me and say, can I ask you a question? I'm leaving you on red. If you DM me and say, I, I want, I want to see it. Can you answer three questions? Can you answer these three questions for me for an interview I'm doing about casters and you list your three questions? I'm much more likely to be able to help you. Yeah. Yeah, no, hundred percent agree. Um, I feel like, you know, lining up with attention span, I am bloody horrible with, with paying attention <laughs> to things as well. And sometimes I'm just like, no, I'm not reading that, that two page essay on, on your VOD review that doesn't yep. even go into anything that just tells you, Can't do tells it. the sob stories there. And I'm like, okay, all right, I get that. We've all been there, but why? Uh, there's, there's a lot. And I, I'm I hopefully this, this series and, and this episode especially can shed some light on a lot of, uh, a lot of ways people can get started, but more so, uh, your perspective, I hope, helps as a valuable resource in the future where people look back at the casting chamber and say, well, Captain Flowers helped me get started because of, you know, what he said here and I took his advice. So thank you again, Flowers. I appreciate this so much. I appreciate you coming on. Um, I know you have a busy schedule. I know you're, Wait, you know, actually, we tried to do this before Worlds. Can yeah. I give, uh, I actually want to give one more piece of advice here at the end because I think this is very important. Oh, it pertains do. a lot to please amateur do. casters and a question that I got reminded me of it just now. So mm -hmm. uh, somebody mm -hmm. says, would you consider having a weekly segment in your stream to evaluate casting clips? And the answer to that is no. Oh. And the reason that that is no is because that doesn't line up with the kind of content that I'm trying to make. I am not trying to market myself yep. as a teacher of the art of commentary. I, I just, I'm not interested in, in being a teacher like that. So one of the things that you always have to do is be mindful of, of the audience, right? And the way that yeah. this is going to apply to casting and the, the last little piece of advice that I want to give people is don't speak in inside jokes. I see amateur commentators do this shit all the time where they will speak in inside jokes with one another. And as I'm watching it, I'm just like, I, I don't know your inside jokes. Why am I listening to this? This is garbage, right? This, this adds yeah. nothing to it. You want to make everything be as 
inclusive as possible. Make it makes like somebody shouldn't have to have context on week one of your broadcast and a joke you made back then to understand the comment that you're making about the team fight in week five. Okay. Mm. If they, now, if the comment that you're making in week five still makes sense without that week one, but it has a little bit of extra punch. If you know what they're talking about, that's great. But just don't get so wrapped up in your own thing that you lose sight of the fact that your job is to entertain the whole audience. The entire spectator pool as a whole is listening to you. So make sure that what you're saying is easily applicable. Make sure that what you're saying is easily understandable. Don't be too convoluted. Don't draw way too... I yeah. shouldn't have to have like a Zodiac killer map line with the yarn and the thumbtacks and shit to draw your points together, <laughs> right? So that's one of those yeah. things. That's one of the things that I would really caution a lot of people about because it's one of the things that I see very commonly in in guys who are starting to be new casters, guys who are starting up. My own experiences back when I was doing amateur commentary in like Reddit leagues and stuff is people start talking about random shit or random inside jokes that don't make any sense. Always mm. make sure you're talking primarily in a way that everybody in the audience can hear what you're saying, can vibe with what you're saying. They know what you're talking about. The more people you appeal to, the better you're going to be. So just make sure that you are always cognizant that the conversation is not just between you and the co-commentator. Yeah. It's between everybody watching. You isolate people. You, those people aren't coming back. You lose viewers and those viewers, you know, need to be on your side. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think it's something that when I, what, you know, when I cast LPL, I got to think, yeah, man, why am I going to be talking about like, you know, this, this player joke that we made last broadcast when all these people that are tuning in might be new, might not get it. Um, it's a great point. It's a great point to answer. Thank you again like first of all if anyone missed it yesterday on or was it yesterday or the day before uh thank you again for the huge 500 dollars donation towards movember towards mental health and suicide prevention on the previous stream and the huge raid of four thousand people that you brought over that also contributed a bomb we raised because of you over three three thousand three hundred australian dollars fuck um, yeah buddy Mac that's awesome the campaign yeah that's yeah, awesome because man. of your influence so Thank you again. It was amazing to, to see you there and, and all your community supporting. So thank you to them too. Thank you for coming on the casting chamber. As I was saying before, we were talking about this before Worlds, but I know you're building up and you're doing your stream schedule and um, it was a bit messy. So I'm glad we could finally get to this and I'm glad we could finally have a chat about, about casting when you are, you know, one of the most qualified people in the world, not just in League of Legends, but in esports, you know, talking about this role and talking about how you work and how you function. So it's been a great insight and thank you so much again um it's a it was a pleasure having you on the show um, no dude it's been awesome for, for everyone out there um of course this will be on youtube i'll be putting a post on twitter linking towards that as well um and so that'll be available this whole this whole power 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 okay it's a power this whole power, power there we go will be a, there we go it will be available on youtube we got there in the end so thank you again sir i'll let you get back to stream i'll let you go back to maybe i hope it was good i hope it's what you came here for bright. i'm sorry if it was a little bit incoherent and rambly like i say my brain was no, kind no, of no, fucking no, no. scrambled so any of you guys watching this back later on youtube if it doesn't make any sense have a couple of beers and then maybe it will hell yeah okay good thanks again lighter i'll leave you to it and all uh, right appreciate it again take it easy buddy thanks guys peace see you later